And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Wow, I had to do one of those jumping over things to get to my desk here. Um, wow, let me catch my breath here. Anyway, Joe, you want to bring us in? Sure, I'll bring us in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Just Hagman, the Hagman tank. Report. Um, folks, visit our website, uh, HagmanReport.com, as well as HagmanandHagman.com. HagmanandHagman.com has... All of our show information and HagmanReport.com has the show information as well as news. We broadcast each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Global Star Radio Network. We're also live on video on YouTube and simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. Pastor Langford will be joining us in the third hour. This hour, we are going to be covering news and current events. And in hour number two, um, we have... Daniel Litz from Dark Journalist, and he's been with us before, and he's going to come on to talk about uh, a number of interesting uh, things that he's found and has posted on his website. That's darkjournalist.com. So I know uh, you have an opening statement, uh, something you want to get into, and let's get into um, we I, I do, that first. We do have some some news to get into, so I don't know how you want to. How you want to break this up? He's still over there trying to get himself together. Yeah, my, get his my, headphones my, my, in my and microphone straight. Microphone. So, so why, why don't you go ahead and, and give? Well, Gorsuch is. Uh, yeah, it, uh, that's a topic, and I that's was, where we should start. Yeah, go ahead and take that, and then I'm going to deliver, folks. Um, yeah, sorry, keep the cameras off just for a sec. Uh, you like this mess? What do you think of this? Those people listening on Global Star and BTR have no clue what, what, what you see this. Um, anyway, just go ahead, uh, uh, go yeah, ahead and hit, yeah. hit, the, hit the top story and then I'm gonna, I'm, while I do this, and then I'm gonna give a statement because, uh, I've got something to say. It's important. So go ahead. The, uh, Trump administration nominated federal judge Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, um, which has is the replacement for Scalia. There's a lot on both sides uh, as far as reactions to this pick. Many Republicans are very happy. This guy is a, a staunch conservative, a constitutionalist. He's pro-life, and that has uh, apparently raised a lot of red flags for the the insane liberal uh, talking heads out there. And um, Trump issued a statement after uh, announcing that Gorsuch was going to be his pick. He said, Judge Gorsuch has, an outsta- has outstanding legal skills, a brilliant mind, tremendous discipline. We, 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 we should support Gorsuch. 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 Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. He's only 49 years old, which is a, a big appeal to a lot of people due to the amount of time he will be able to serve on the bench. Now, the Trump administration has been met with... Um, with the nominations, the the halting of nominations. He's only had, uh, before today, he only had three people 
uh, who went through the nomination process in his cabinet. Now, at the same time, during the Obama presidency, Obama had 10, and George Bush had 14 people confirmed as their, his nominees in both their presidencies. So this is a, one of the lower numbers we've seen due to the... Is, is, uh, uh, I was Bork doing... Uh, no, I'm just I'm kidding, of course. Go on. I didn't even get that. Uh, too young. Okay. So the... Uh, the the number and there was two more people uh, confirmed today also in, in separate news and it was done without the uh, the Democrats voting on it and it has a lot of people upset. Um, Nancy Pelosi actually was on CNN today and I, I caught this on a news article uh, on Newsbusters. CNN lets Pelosi smear Gorsuch as opposed to air, water, food, and medicine without. Um, don't being stopped by without a challenge, right? And uh, the write-up on Newsbusters.com is pretty good. It's made its way around the internet with almost five thousand shares. And the article goes on to talk about more than Pelosi's claim. It goes to talk about the um, the mainstream media allowing you know people, talking heads, pundits, politicians to slander and make unfounded accusations against um, what, what they say here. Taper allowed. To the slanderous and casually moved on the hot questions inside the Democratic Party bubble. Um, and, yeah. and they, they, they're also using this, uh, so Pelosi saying that the Supreme Court pick Gorsuch opposes air, water, food, and medicine. Um, obviously just throwing stuff out there to see what will stick. And the author here takes some, um, is kind of put back by the smear saying, you know, how, uh, you know, they can just make up things and, and throw things out there, uh, hyper-partisan rhetoric and hyperbole and, and slander, and it goes unchallenged. And, you know, they uh, continue to do this. We've seen that. But what's interesting about this is Trump told the Senate and Mitch McConnell that if... Nuke. The, yeah, nuke, they won't. Nuke. And what the nuclear option is, the, to use the nuclear option, if the if they won't nominate or clear... Um, Trump's pick for the Supreme Court. Now, the nuclear option, what they do, instead of needing a 60-vote majority in the Senate, it is reduced to 51 votes, I believe, 51. And, a, and there's it's 52 a majority Republican, as opposed to 60. And, there, and there's 52 Republican senators there now, and that doesn't mean that uh, the nuclear option would work. I have not looked at the demographics of the Senate, how they planned on voting, if that information was even available. But you can guarantee there's going to be some and some it's amazing, you know, it, it's amazing how they came out with a statement that they were going to go with nuclear, um, without. I mean, they came out swinging, came out of the gate swinging that they're they're prepared to go go through this, uh, go nuclear, and without even allowing the words to settle. I guess it's a rather interesting thing that that took place. Yeah, and uh, so we should see uh, the. Judge Neil Gorsuch confirmed one way or the other. No, it's it's regardless of the opposition. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much opposition, folks. A portion's nice broadcast brought to you by HelloFresh. Oh, have you have you seen HelloFresh, folks? Go to HelloFresh.com and use our promo code Hagman35 for thirty-five dollars off your first week of meals. HelloFresh. Um, well, what a great meal delivery service. And of course, uh, Pro Flowers. How about Pro Flowers? Guys, your ladies deserve flowers. 
At least that's what my wife tells me. No, I, I, and I'm serious. Surprise that, surprise your mom, surprise your wife. You know what, guys? If you, if you still have your mom living, pro flowers. Give, give her some flowers. Just because. That's great stuff. But yeah, you, you know, Joe, all of this together, you're exactly right. Um, but it, this this nuclear option is very interesting. As I said, it has set the tone um, to, to the Supreme Court uh, fight. And also, what happened today? Did you did you see what happened today? Uh, the Senate Finance Committee uh, or Senate Judiciary Committee was it? No, Finance Committee. I'm sorry. They met, and the Democrats were boycotting that committee or that meeting, believing that they could rest on a rule where a vote couldn't be made. Uh, of Trump's appointees. Well, expecting that Trump had gone back into the rules, found another rule that, that superseded the more recent, or the, uh, of the other rule, and they voted, uh, uh, two of the appointees in. The Treasury yeah. Secretary and, uh, the HHS Secretary. Right. Thank you. And that was done without the Democrats being yeah. present. And everyone was saying, oh, that, that, they can't do that. And everyone's outraged about that. Well, you know, welcome Welcome to America. Welcome to the new dawn of a new day. And, and that's kind of what my statement's about here. And, and I want you to listen closely. Um, if if I can, I really need to, to get this off my chest. And I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. But uh, here it is, a, a new day of a new month. And we are looking at really a new fight. And we've, you know, we've had people come on this radio show. And, uh, we, we've been on other shows and the new media, the independent media is in the crosshairs of many people. And I found that, Joe, did you see the, and folks, did you see the, the Skype questions coming into the, mm-hmm. uh, I did see about that. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that great? Yeah. Uh, a lot of journalists, uh, don't think so. Well, I can see why not. Why? Well, because there's a, the, the monopoly on the media. You have these people are paid to not tell the truth. They're paid to disseminate information that is given to them to disseminate and to keep the truth out of it. And the people who pay them, who own these media uh, companies and have the control of the press are the same people who control many other aspects of society. So, And that, hence my opening statement, and I really want you to listen close, because th- this is what it's all about, folks. And by the way, we're coming to you, hopefully we're coming to you in high def right now. Uh, we, we had some upgrades today. Uh, and i got to say that Eric the Tech, at Real Tech Eric on Twitter, Eric the Tech is really under the weather. I mean, he's over there covered in a blanket. He's sweating. He's cold. He's shivering. He can't breathe. His, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's got malaria or something, but... But, uh, H1N1. Yeah, something's going on there. And, and you know, so, so pray for Eric, but, but I gotta thank him for coming in today, even when he's like, uh, you know, when I gotta team him up to the chair just to sit up and press buttons. But, uh, so hopefully we're coming to you if you're watching this live via YouTube in high def. Uh, and we have now, we have now entered a new realm. But, but speaking of a new realm, you know, as I looked this past weekend over the landscape of America of this country. You see the protests breaking out. You see the Michael Moores of the world, Michael Moore himself, the ugly cousin to Jabba the Hutt. Uh, as you look at Moore 
and other celebrities, other politicians, other people saying, oh, you know, uh, resist. That, 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 that's the new thing. Resist. Resist. Well, let me tell you something. You had said it ye- yesterday or the day before, I guess it was. You had talked about the cultural whiplash that we're facing, that we, that we're experiencing. The people out there in the streets. And I've got some thoughts on that. And I've got some thoughts about the independent media. I've got some thoughts about uh, our show, InfoWars, Dave Hodges, Russ Dizdar, Josh Tolley, uh, J.B. Wells, Rick Wiles. Um, especially, and in particular, especially those shows of the independent media who are, who bring news through a Christian worldview. If I may speak on your behalf, I'd like to. At this point, however, I'm only speaking on our behalf. That's Hagman and Hagman Report. I'm speaking about the, the landscape, the social landscape that we're seeing. You know, we've had eight years of a Muslim embracing multicultural pansy who has sold out this country using many overt tactics while smiling right to our faces. Nothing got done, at least not for the country, but now it's getting done. We've had eight years of a Sharia-loving, treacherous, traitorous, constitution-ignoring, lawless, wicked, wretched, warmongering, self-enriching, community-active communist, a Saul Alinsky-loving radical who demanded that we bow to the altar of Muslim conquest, extremism, and subjugation. We had a decade of open door, come on in, the water is fine policy, where untold Muslim barbarians have entered this country for one purpose and one purpose only, that is to subjugate us to Sharia, Sharia law, Muslim law, and to rob us of our lifestyles, of our heritage, to pillage what we have. We've had previous guests on this show who simply can't handle the fact that the status quo of inefficiency, incest, incestuous behavior, politics is now being replaced by someone who is far from perfect lord knows far from perfect but certainly more attentive arguably arguably more attentive to our needs than the national embarrassment known as barack hussein obama a man whose very bona fides were proven forged those guests will never be invited back We've had self-professed Christians who do nothing but take aim at this show and other shows, watching and waiting to find the slightest fault that they, that they would exploit, could exploit. Their sanctimonious version of Christianity turns my stomach. For if I were not a Christian, I personally would be laughing at the altar of atheism or worse. They are the self-appointed watchmen 
of the Watchman Unleashed, who, when they're not covering their own missteps, and you want to hear about missteps, from facilitated or facilitating reported child abuse and endangerment from years long ago, claiming that they were the victims of some anonymous complaints, yet furnishing no proof, however demanding us to furnish proof of our claims, of our claims such as surveillance by various government agencies. Meanwhile, they write endless diatribes to speak endlessly against us for attempting to expose the truth. And there's a few things here that I've found. You know, many have declared open war against the truth-tellers and against the truth-seekers. That's against us and against you. While hiding behind their veil of deception and false victimhood like those odious and disgusting women and castrated men we see in the streets today. Except they take on a different appearance, an appearance of being above reproach, for that's easy to do when they don't put themselves out in full view for all to see. You see, we hang ourselves out here. What you see is what you get. We do our best. Sometimes we get the bear. Other times the bear gets us. But at least we're in the game. They've created their own persona, whether it be real journalists or real Christians, the real deal, or defenseless older targets while hiding the rot that exists within themselves. You know, instead of working to expose the darkness that has enveloped us and continues to envelop us, they make it their full-time job to assail us, to distract us, to wage war against us, this program and other programs. Instead of the real targets, instead of the real enemies of the truth, those who are at the root of rot and war against our nation against our heritage, against our Christianity, against our labor and our very souls. Shame on you. Instead of using their time and and their energy to fight the enemies of light, they invest their time in vindictive, fallacious, and utterly contemptible strikes against those seeking to do what's right in the eyes of the one true God of the Holy Bible. You know, it's telling that the enemies of the truth, our enemies, common enemies in the independent media, get most riled, for example, when we bring up the topics of Pedogate and Pizzagate. Oh, they're so offended. Claiming that we showed pornographic images on our channel the one day I, we did a Pizzagate uh, expose. Why is that? Why? I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because they themselves, in many cases, have some really interesting skeletons rattling in their closets. 
Meanwhile, they seek to paint us as some for-profit fear-porn con artists. One day the truth will be told. They speak and write falsehoods with impunity against the independent media. The purveyors of fake news, ostensibly, baiting us, attempting to bait us and others for the chance that we will elevate them to our level. For the chance that we'll give them the prominence that they feel that they deserve yet have failed to achieve on their, in their own right. I mentioned eight years of Obama and the decade of decadence as we need to understand the context of the cultural whiplash, that statement that Joe created, that we're seeing today. The creation of the emasculated male and the wissified generation of slothful, despicable, stomach-turning wretches are the product of a decade of mind-numbing programming where everyone is a victim in need of swaddling and protection. It is indeed stomach-turning and stomach-churning. You know, I make this statement to put those enemies on notice, putting you on notice, that we will not back down, but we will double down. Pizzagate, Pedogate, we will double down, not back down. Investigation of the Clinton Foundation and everyone in its orbit. We are not backing down. We are doubling down. Investigation of those subjects untouchable, described as fake news. We are not backing down. We're doubling down. taking on those people, those enemies who believe it's more righteous to tear at the Christians attempting to expose the rot, the gut-wrenching, sickening, despicable behavior of the people in power. We ain't backing down. We're doubling down. You know, the independent media and us specifically, we didn't draw first blood. But we're certainly going to respond in kind and by orders of magnitude greater than ever imagined. We're not doubling, we're not backing down, we're doubling down. You know, this is the first day of a new month and a relatively new year. To those of us, uh, to those, to those, who have made it their passion and their life's work to shut us up, to shut us down, to censor us, to malign us, to misdirect us. Understand, understand that we will never surrender, we will not submit, and we will be victorious in our fight if we must defend against you while exposing the darkness that's out there, we will do so with a vigor that will leave you 
and the outermost branches of your family tree trembling for generations. I just want to end it by saying this. Our commitment to our audience is unshakable. Our commitment to the truth is unshakable. Our commitment to exposing the people behind the deeds of darkness is unshakable. And our commitment to the God of the Holy Bible is unshakable. We will not back down. We will double down. You're hereby put on notice. Now, is that, that like concludes uh, my <clears throat> opening statement? Is that like the uh, today the U.S. put Iran on notice over its missile tests, or is this a a different type of notice? I'm just messing. Yeah, take it, take it for what you will. <laughs> All right, we have just a minute before the break, a minute, minute and a half, and when we come back on the other side. We're going to continue to um, plug away at some of the news that's uh, that's important. And again, Daniel lists Daniel lists Daniel lists of darkjournalist.com will be joining us in hour number two, followed by Pastor Langford in hour number three. How many people saw this in the last twenty four hours? Anthony Weiner may be receiving a charge yes. for child pornography. Yeah, this is something that Joe that I've been working on, and I really haven't told you much about this. Uh, it's not it's not deliberate, but it's just be, our schedule has, schedules have been so crazy. Uh, the the Wiener laptop, the Wiener files, the uh, new NYPD, the um, the people who responded to that laptop search. Trust me when I tell you, the fruits of that are coming out. Well, the, the it's not over. Uh, the government says that they're considering a hefty child pornography charge against Anthony Weiner, the discredited ex-politician. They can send him to prison for at least 15 years. They actually released um, an exchange that he had uh, via text with a 15-year-old girl, which was pretty uh, explicit. I'm not even going to talk about the, the uh, message here. But we'll get into this on the other side, as well as other important news that is important today. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So glad you're joining us. Thanks for your belief and your trust in us. What a minefield of, of uh, headlines and, and news that we're seeing today. My goodness. And over the last, well, since Trump was sworn in, and we knew it was going to be this way. That's what happens when things get done. And I have, uh, I really do have a lot of high hopes for this Supreme Court nomination, Neil Gorsuch. You remember, perhaps, back in the 80s what happened with his mother, head of the EPA, uh, and just excoriated by, by the by the left, by the progressives on the left, and of course that's being brought up again today, and that's it's interesting, and it's newsworthy. It's the way they fight. You see, the enemies of the, of, of the truth will attack family members. That's the, way it, that's the way it is. Believe me when I tell you that. Nothing is off limits for them. Now, uh, folks, I, I love a good meal. I love to sit down and I love to have a good meal with my wife and my family. And I'm sure you do as well. 
I hate the hassle of shopping and, and you know, going to the grocery store, picking out things and, and, and then carrying it home and such. Let me tell you about HelloFresh. This is a meal delivery, a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Every week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes and they provide them with step-by-step instructions designed to take around about 30 minutes for everyone from novices, whether you've never cooked before, to seasoned home cooks short on time. HelloFresh, they source the finest and freshest ingredients. They measure to the exact quantities needed so that there's no food waste. And all of their meals are reviewed by a full-time registered dietitian on staff to ensure that they're nutritionally balanced. Their food, uh, their meals are absolutely delicious. And the, it's it's fun to be able to cook with your wife if you so choose, or just to cook the meals. It's so easy, but so convenient. You get up, you get your week's meals. the The meal kit arrives in an insulated box, along with the full color and very specific instructions. Everything again is made to made to order, and they're changing the way people are eating. And they believe that everybody deserves honest, natural, delicious, healthy food. And we've seen that in their dishes. My goodness, we've had so many great dishes over the last, I don't know, six months. We've been using their service for about six months, maybe a little bit longer. And their their food is just second to none. It will change the way you eat. Food, they think that food brings people together. Good food allows us to live long, and great food lets everybody enjoy every bite of life. We're, let me tell you, it, this is the best way for meal planning I've found. This is our go-to. Well, we rely on HelloFresh for all of our meals every, every day here at the Hagman household. I want to tell you about a special offer that they've got, HelloFresh, right now. Go to HelloFresh. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on their website. It's HelloFresh.com. And use the promo code HAGMAN35 for $35 off your first week of meals. Okay? HAGMAN35. That'll give you $35 off your first week of meals. Again, HelloFresh. Dot com. That's HelloFresh.com. And in the promo code, or for the promo code, use Hagman35 for $35 off your first week of deliveries. you got to do it. you got to try it out. This is great. This is the best meal service I've ever had. And by the way, sign up before Valentine's Day for a very special Valentine's Day dinner. Again, that's HelloFresh.com. Promo code Hagman35. But, you know, we, um, the... And as we sit around the dining room table talking about events, I wonder how many people, folks, have, have you, is the divide among family members, maybe not close family members, but, oh, extended family members, is it getting worse with the each passing day of, of the rhetoric that we hear on the news? If you, if you, if you watch, for example, MSNBC, my goodness, you would think that the world or the nation is caving in, right? Because you've got all of these executive orders and executive actions and, and you've got things getting done. Yet, much to the chagrin of the progressives who want to throw monkey wrenches into the process. Now, admittedly, the Republicans, conservatives, had threw, they had thrown a monkey wrench into Merrick Garland 
as Obama's Supreme Court pick, but that wasn't without precedent. And isn't it you know, interesting? They're, they're calling it the stolen. Yes. See. Yes. Imagine that. Well, hey, we're in charge now. Well, when I say we, the conservatives are in charge now. And the other thing I noticed too, and I'm not sure how many people picked this up, when the news, uh, when Donald Trump was on television today, there was a meeting in uh, one of the rooms in the White House where he had, uh, he was talking about, oh, he was talking about the uh, Black History Month. And on his left, I, that was one of the subjects he was talking about, on his left, Wayne LaPierre from from uh, uh, NRA was there. It's rather interesting. I think it was the same time period that, that Black, you know, he was discussing Black History Month. And my goodness, you should have heard the outrage. You should have heard the outrage by the progressives. How, you know, how could that be? Oh, we're in for it now. So it's, it's very interesting how we're, what we're seeing take place. And, and of course, we're seeing all of these judges now, these, uh, judges who were appointed by Obama in particular, rushing to halt Trump's immigration executive order. You know, they're, they're calling it a, a Muslim ban. They're calling it a, a immigration ban. They're calling it all things. None of it is descriptively, none of those descriptions are true. And I was trying to think of a word picture, Joe, today. I was trying to think of a word picture or a kind of something to paint a picture. Imagine a stadium full of people and you have was something similar. You invited a whole bunch of people into your wedding, we'll say. I'll make it personal. Yeah, your wedding. And you invited a whole bunch of people that you really didn't know too well. And I don't know, or, or whatever event it might be. Or you can even take it to like a, a, an event like a graduation or something or whatever. But you have reason to believe that some of the people there might not have the best of intentions. And they say, well, well, no, we screened them, we checked them out. But did they really? No. You gotta rescreen the people. So how do you do it? You do it in this fashion. Are they banning anybody? No. They're just saying, wait, let's empty this out for a minute. Let's, or let's just stop the people from coming in. Everybody. And, and let's revet, revet these people. But to hear the progressives talk about this, it's erroneous and it's fake news by definition. And I, and I see this divisiveness take place as I, as I sit and, and watch the news and you watch the different channels. It's, it's, it's a cancer that's, it's really, that's grown across all of the media, the mainstream media. Even ladies, she didn't like it. In case you heard that little bark there. I should have let her out of my office, but that's all right. But anyway, you, you see this growing cancer of, uh, divisiveness. And it's being stoked by people like, uh, Michael Moore. It's being stoked by Nancy Pelosi. It's being stoked by the, by the Obama. media. And, and Obama. Yes, who hasn't gone away. But these federal judges blocking Trump's immigration executive order, immigration in quotation marks, many lawsuits. Yeah, there's an interesting story today. Um, let me see. Out of Texas. Yep. Now, Austin City, Austin, the city in Texas is uh, in Travis County, I believe, from what this article says. 
And the governor of Texas, Abbott, has uh, decided to cut Travis County grants, federal grants, to Travis County due to their opposition of the immigration order and the sanctuary city of Austin. And, and that's the other issue. Is I sanctuary see a city. lot more of this. It, is that even legal? Sanctuary, a sanctuary city? It, it, yes. But, well, if you think about it like this, technically... Or constitutional, I should say. This goes back to the federal powers versus state powers, I right, believe. Right. But to be fair, we can't have it both ways. If, uh, if, if not, 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 it's like uh, marijuana. Some states have it legalized. Other states, it's still illegal, but federally, it's illegal across the board. Right. So correct. I guess we have to. I mean, you don't want too much uniformity in, in laws, especially the way that the law has been set up today. Um, coming so far away from the Constitution and, and what it uh, set out to to do. At the same time, I mean, there should be, you know, in our country, universal laws like murder, violent crimes, things like that. Sure. When we sure. start getting into immigration, if it is a national, in my opinion, if it's a national, when it, when it deals per- particularly with um, refugees from civil war torn Middle Eastern countries. I believe that needs to be looked at differently than immigration from other nations. Well, or the, the, why? The, the, because we have to vet the people the same. In, look, we cannot afford in this country. We, we've had an open door policy that that super that goes well beyond Obama. Right. Throw the doors open. Let everyone come in. You're all welcome. That sounds really great. You know, the Statue of Liberty. They're crying. Schumer's crying. I'm not saying G- let everybody come in. Give me a break. I'm saying that. Uh, where have we seen with, with immigration? The main problem is the radical Islamic extremism. And call it for what it is. That's right. You don't see uh, Buddhists or Hindus coming in and, and blowing things up and shooting people and stabbing people and beheading people. No, it's the Muslims who are doing that. So I guess what I'm saying is the, the Islamic um, people who come from Islamic countries or are Islamic coming from any country, the vetting should be there. So, so it should where, be a Muslim that's where, ban. Not a ban. Or a Muslim vetting process. That, Absolutely. Uh, see, they got me doing it now. I'm programmed. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, at the same time, though, we know, even in the Quran and, and the Muslim culture, that they're allowed to lie, to misrepresent themselves. To key up. To, and, that's right. And this is to even a great claim themselves lie. to be a different religion. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's a gray area. And I'm glad I'm not... When you yeah. say gray area, I'm talking about constitutionally versus the the radicalization, the terrorist aspect of things, how it is today. It's different than it was 15 years ago, even around 9-11. We've seen so many attacks on the Western, in, in Europe and here in America, terrorist attacks with people giving responsibility to ISIS. Right. I mean, it's it's. Um, I'm not saying that our laws should change to, I, I guess we should just enforce, like you said, the, the immigration issue. We're, even with extreme vetting, you're not going to get okay. well, we'll look all at, the terrorists, well, but that's ex- not a reason not to do it at the same time. Well, of course you're not, because there there will be enough. Think of it this way. You own a company, you're hiring people. You look at their background. You, you, you do a background investigation. Sometimes, hey, it depends on who's doing the background investigation. A lot of times, other times, you're going to miss some things. People will 
go through, you know, fall through the cracks or there will be things that will fall through the cracks. But as the CEO of a country, it is, or a company, either one, it's up to you to keep the company or country safe. Is it not? So you mandate that vetting process. You call for the, you say, okay, this is what we need to do in order to keep our country safe. And Donald Trump has done that. Before, it's been this willy-nilly, open the doors, let everybody come in for the sake, <coughs> excuse me, for the sake of, uh, of humanitarian issues or whatever the issues might be. That sounds really good until it's your grandmother that gets blown up or shot or beheaded. Or unless it's your wife that gets raped by a gang of, of, of thugs. You've seen what happened in, uh, in Sweden, the rape capital. Uh, Sweden is, is, is suffering from an epidemic of rapes. Not by Christians, not by Buddhists, not by, well, they're by Muslims. I'm, I'm not sorry to say this is exactly what's happening. So why would we, as men, or as protectors of our families and our country, permit these unvetted or poorly vetted individuals into this country when we know they've told us look we will overtake you we will use your laws to overtake you we will use your religion to to uh to overtake you so they are exploiting the humanitarian crises they are exploiting our our the vetting process or lack thereof to come into this country and then there's a, a few other angles or ways to look at this you have i mean how many times have we seen examples in in within our government of you know government assisted terrorism whether right. it's a, a government effort or rogue well, elements no of the doubt. government yeah. that people, I mean, look at the shoe bomber. The guy was helped onto the plane by an FBI agent, uh, according to eyewitness testimony from, um, of course, that Kurt Haskell. Yeah. And there are other, uh, you know, instances that are similar to that where, um, there would have been no vetting and the people would have still been brought over or given the opportunity to come over. Then you have, um, people who are, you know, maybe they're not refugees, but they could be backed by, uh, some shady money and are sent here, you know, for a, a, on a vacation for a few weeks that create terror or a, a temporary, uh, green card or, you know, um, there, there's many different areas of immigration and the immigration process from sneaking in the country illegally to being brought in under the radar, um, to the misrepresenting yourself. I mean, there's a lot of, so and I think well, this is being ironed well, what, out. What now. to do? Right, right. What to do? Well, look, you might have, a certain status already in this country. We better double check that because you might, you, they might be, for example, one of the ones that were not vetted properly. I see nothing wrong and nothing controversial about what is taking place with respect to, to the vetting process. No, not at all. We'll call it a the vetting uh, executive order as opposed to the immigration ban, Muslim. That's well, even the immigration ban, you know, there was some dust ups in the, in the news. Between Spicer, the, uh, uh, press guy for, for the Trump administration and members of the news media talking about, you know, why Spicer called it a ban. And he said, I'm, you know, calling it what the media is calling it. And we talked about this. It's not a ban. It's a 90 day, um, temporary restriction in order to expand the vetting abilities. 
Well, it, and it's not a ban. It's not something that's permanent. It's not. Uh, it's only a ninety-day period, and things will go back to normal aside from the vetting and the, the pre-screening process. I guarantee you, though, things won't go back to normal. If if I can, let me refer to an author, uh, Sowen Duke from the American Thinker, wrote this about. Well, the title is Trump versus the Soft Islamic Conquest of of the West. This is a really interesting article because he, someone, Duke, writes this. The irrational left, which means virtually all of the left, how how true is that, is epileptic over President Trump's executive order halting immigration from terrorist-spawning countries. Its minions are complaining that the move is un-American. Oh, which is in their world apparently involves playing Russian roulette with American lives. Isn't that true? The New York Times just ran a teary-eyed piece lamenting um, immediate collateral damage imposed on people who, by all accounts, had no sinister intentions in trying to come to the United States, as the paper puts it. Now, the fake news is correct there, by all accounts, slipped in casually in the hope that the reader will slide by it in uh, unthinkingly. In reality, however, there are many people, from intelligence experts to politicians to social commentators to Muslims themselves, warning us that there's no way to truly, uh, truly know these people's intentions. One of the most striking reports on this front, both because of its content and how the fake news, the mainstream news, that fake news, that media ignored it, was in October 2015, uh, Glasgow, uh, I'm sorry, gang interview with Dr. Uh, Mudar Zahan, or Zuran, I'm sorry, a leader of the Jordanian opposition coalition now living as a refugee in the UK. While calling himself an Orthodox Muslim, he uh, issued this warning. And listen to this. Keep the Muslim migrants out of Europe. Now, this is coming from a Jordanian, a Muslim. Keep the Muslim migrants out of Europe. What's more, he insists that they must be returned to their native lands. While Europe was the focus at that time, you okay? My computer, I, oh. I try to open a browser and it's, it's like the arrow stuck or something. Oh, like, okay. Um, make me check your keys, make sure they're not. Anyway, uh, the, uh, you're talking about the Muslim Yeah, religion. Zarin's uh, warnings apply very much so to the United States and to us. What he says is troubling is that many, if not most, of the migrants are not what they appear to be. And there's a video that's attached to this. If you go to the American Thinker, the proof is in the pudding too. When we read stories about the migrants coming, uh, committing crimes such as rape and murder and such, a terrorist act or something else, the perpetrators generally, what are they? They're Afghani. They're Moroccan, Tunisian, Iraqi, Somali, or some other nationality that doesn't happen to be Syrian. And isn't that the truth? We're supposedly taking in Syrian refugees, or this is all the upper of the Syrian refugee crisis, which, by the way, is a humanitarian crisis of incredible magnitude, but done by the United States and NATO Western countries. Caused by U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, Obama Clinton's actions to de- destabilize the Syrian government, but you'll notice that most of the crimes, the rapes, and all this are not done by the Syrian refugees. So, this is just casually mentioned, however, in the reporting of these crimes, 
And isn't it interesting how no one questions? There are a few questions about the nationalities. What the heck are these non-Syrian migrants doing in the West when the refugee scheme was sold to to the people in the West, to us, to Westerners, with a help the Syrians help the Syrians message? This is again from the American thinker, and right on the money. Oh, everyone, you know, help the Syrians. But we're looking at crimes that are being committed in mass by Afghanis, by Iraqis, by Somalians, and we mm-hmm. see all these. And also, the the uh, we were mentioning these other countries is the what Stan talked about last night as Saudi Arabia being one example. The lack of Muslim nations who have the ability and resources to take in many of these refugees without you know putting them halfway around the world refuse to do so. Now, a week ago Tuesday, Stan talked about that you know three million. Uh, air-conditioned tent city that's that's there for Ramadan in Saudi Arabia that's completely vacant. And then yesterday he mentioned it again, and if I remember correctly, he said that Trump worked out a deal with Saudi Arabia to be able to, to use those tents, or if he was being... Well, uh, yeah, it was I, rhetorical, I, I don't know. Uh, I think he was just being, I think he was being okay. kind and facetious. But that's that's a problem. Um, since the, the travel restrictions through the executive order, I believe Jordan took in quite a number, a, a good number of refugees from Syria. I heard on the, the radio on the way here yesterday or today that that was the case. But well, why won't the Middle Eastern countries of Muslim origin open their doors exactly to help house these refugees if there was no concern of potential violence? Or, oh, can or you imagine? Conflict? Yeah. Well, I just want to say one more thing. Uh, think about this. Nations like Syria, for example, they don't have a comprehensive Western-style database. You know, you call, people say, well, they've been vetted. Jay Johnson, oh, we, we vetted them, and they're, these people are okay. Oh, really? What database did you use? What type of information database did you use about the citizens? Intelligence officials here in this country have admitted, acknowledged, uh, as has the government of Greece, for example, and even... Even Jay Johnson has said there's just no way to tell. If you go back to an investor, uh, investor business daily uh, article back in 2015, Syria, Iraq, along with Somalia and Sudan, these are failed states where police records aren't even kept. What are they going to look at? How are they going to vet these people? Are they going to interview these people and then glean through interviews? So this is why we've got that problem. But yet none of the fake media, none of the progressive left, none of these mind-numb robots, these wretched, wretched uh, minions of, of miscreants out there and that are marching in the streets who, who claim to be these liberal bleeding hearts, do they really understand that there is absolutely a threat to the West because, obviously, we've got the immigration jihad. You've got the influx of these uh, illegals from the southern border, many of those other than Mexicans coming up. There's no So in addition to the illegal aspect, you've got the lack of ability to vet. Bottom line, Joe, is this. We've got a problem in this country. Donald Trump has taken upon, taken upon himself to fix it, and the cultural whiplash, as you so aptly described, is because all of a sudden now we've got some people that are doing things 
for this country and for our safety when, in fact, this has not been the case over the last decade. All right. We got about a minute, minute and a half left before the break. Um, I, I, we don't really have too much time to get into this, but this is something that I've been, I've been doing some reading on the Navy SEAL raid in Yemen. Yes. A Navy SEAL was killed during this raid. Sadly. It was something drawn up during the Obama administration. It was implemented by Trump after the inauguration. And many are saying that there is a leak most likely from the Obama administration. Absolutely. That led to the death of this Navy SEALs because they, they knew these, where this raid was conducted in Yemen. These people knew that these SEALs were coming. And there was a big brouhaha today about Trump leaving on uh, Marine One, not telling the press where he was going. Uh-huh. For good reason. He was going to the memorial That's right. of he this did. Navy SEAL. But this is a strange story, and, and the implications could be very terrifying if there was a leak I didn't tell you. I, I do believe that Steve Quayle has got the inside scoop on that uh, through a military contact of his. But you're you're pretty much right on target. There's there's a leak within the military industrial complex, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and a lot of the news, uh, mainstream news, is not picking up on it. Uh, I see a couple of headlines: Yemen raid, a departure from Obama's Obama's war on terror strategy, and a few others. But when we have more time, we'll get into that. Uh, when we come back, Daniel. Litz from Dark Journalists. Stay with us. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link and go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's, I think it's a fabulous opportunity.
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. of the Hagman the Hagman Report. So proud to be a part of your life. Thanks for inviting us, inviting us into your homes, into your office buildings, in one case, into your diner, where uh, our show is heard 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. They still listen? Is that in yeah, Tennessee? That's, or no, that's, in, that's actually... Uh, ask me not to say. So, okay. Uh, but, but actually, they... they, they well, welcome, diners. <laughs> you know where you're listening from, but uh, it's it's great to have you. And it's it's interesting that uh, you get a TV and then you can watch us too. How's that? Uh, we have a very special guest with us right now. Of course, is uh, he's Daniel List. His uh, website is darkjournalist.com. That's darkjournalist.com. If you if you're unfamiliar with that website, you got to check it out. He is on the cutting edge of some extremely well breaking stories. And he's got one exclusive to, this is his find, and he's going to tell us about it. But before we bring on Daniel, I just want to ask the guys out there, hey, are you ready for Valentine's Day? Or or whatever that occasion might be. Are you tired of guessing what your wife, your mom wants for Valentine's Day? Wouldn't it be great just to be able to give your wife, your mother, your sister, whoever it might be, even your daughters, whoever, just beautiful flowers for Valentine's Day or just that special day. Well, let me direct you to proflowers.com. That's proflowers.com. On top of their already low prices, right now you can get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase for just $29.99 plus shipping and handling. Or you can upgrade for an additional $9.99 more. You can get two dozen long stem assorted roses with a premium vase and chocolate. You can't beat that deal. Don't tell my wife, but one's on its way. Just go to proflowers.com and use our code HAGMAN. That's H-A-G-M-A-N-N. Help support our show by supporting our sponsors. Use our code HAGMAN. You know, you can pick your flowers and then check out in under two minutes. I've done it. And I did order some flowers for my wife, and I'll just tell you about. I'll just tell you about this. I did get this offer. It is available for us, and I just had so much fun. Uh, it was easy. It was simple. And they're going to be here on Monday. Don't tell her on Monday. Uh, but nonetheless, but you can you can set the delivery day you want. You can order now and have it delivered on Valentine's Day if you if you'd like, right to her home or to her place of business or work. When her coworkers gush over her gift. You'll know you did Valentine's Day right. 
You can't beat the price. You can't beat the convenience. ProFlowers takes care of the details. You get to sit back, relax, and just look awesome. And, guys, I know you like that. One more time here. Here's the only way. To get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase starting at twenty nine ninety nine, just go to proflowers.com, use our code Hagman. And again, folks, help support this show by supporting our sponsors. Use our code Hagman. That's proflowers.com. Click on the microphone and type in our code Hagman. Don't wait. Order today because this deal does expire soon. So it's with great pleasure that we have welcoming, welcoming back to the program dark journalist, Daniel Litz. Daniel, thank you for joining us. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. It's great to, it's great that you're here. And th- thanks for appearing on video. You look great. Now, you've got some breaking news, and I just can't wait to hear it. It's, ex- it's exclu- exclusive to you. What's Absolutely. going on? Um, yeah, well, well, this is really fascinating. I've been tracking a story with a retired professor from the University of Calgary, named Dr. Carmen Bolter, and we've been in touch since uh, last spring on this, but the details are only now really coming to the surface. Now, I recently put out a video which is about this find, which is of ancient Egyptian artifacts in Turkey, which is very perplexing because you wonder, how is there this ancient Egyptian find in Turkey? What, what would make that happen? And as we got more and more into it, oddly enough, um, the story goes that this tracks back to the Akhenaten Nefertiti period, where there was a great upheaval in Egypt. And once in a while, you know, you'll hear about stories, fantastic things about this period, because it's kind of a mystery. Because what happened was the Amun priesthood, who was in charge of Egypt at the time, had to get rid of Akhenaten, because he was going to monotheism, and uh, the Egyptians were polytheistic and, you know, had all the different gods and all the different symbolism. And uh, he started to move them in this direction of a one god with Aten, and that was very controversial. Um, he did a number of controversial things, like, for example, he moved the capital, what would basically be like moving Washington, D.C. to Arizona, for example. Um, so he moved the capital of Egypt to Amarna, and as a result... There's a big jumble there in history. Nobody quite knows exactly what happened, except that he's sort of taken out of the picture. There's a quick succession of five pharaohs who rule in very short spurts. And then you get King Tut, who was Akhenaten's son. So it's a very unusual thing. And and Tut, of course, dies at the age of 19. So that whole string from Nefertiti through Akhenaten to Tut has always been archaeologically a mystery, but they kind of cover it up also. (laughs) Because um, in mainstream archaeology, Akhenaten has to be viewed as kind of a heretic, you know. Um, he He's sort of, they give him this image of being somebody outside of the norm, and more and more he's portrayed as sort of this fanatic. When, in fact, it looks like he was just kind of bucking the political uh, stream that was going on at the time. So, with that as a backdrop, now Tut is the biggest find in Egypt from 1922 with Howard Carter uh, finding the tomb and searched for it for years. And there we had the most complete tomb uh, to really give us an idea of, in the 20th century, what was going on in ancient Egypt. So, it was probably the biggest find since the Rosetta Stone. And But there's been a pretty big kind of gulf of time, almost a hundred years here, where there hasn't been many new developments around this story. 
And so finally, uh, this group of Turkish investigators found this very unusual discovery, and they were working closely with Dr. Bolter. And Dr. Bolter got in touch with me about it and started sending me these very unusual images uh, from the dig. And the images really have the power to change history because we're seeing a very complete Egyptian tomb in Turkey. And some of the preliminary dating uh, test results are also showing us that the dating may go back much further than the typical 1300 B.C. set for that period. The dating that they're finding is 10,000 B.C. So we're looking at a little bit of an archaeological earthquake. The complication is the dig is in a military zone, and there is the potential that the military may get it. Uh, so this is uh, kind of, as we say, late-breaking news. Well, this is about as late-breaking as you get. My goodness. <laughs> now, now, just to be clear, Akhenaten is the guy that uh, is the, uh, he looks like, well, Obama looks like Akhenaten, in a sense. He's been compared to that figure but just, they did yeah. they have done those yeah and uh of course i mean you you know yeah. you can say that really anyone could look like that what's actually striking about Akhenaten and nefertiti is the the complete lack of any kind of african uh makeup any kind of african characteristics oddly enough and you know this is another strange thing about them when they show up they almost seem like a group of europeans who just wandered into the picture and left uh, so, you know, we do have that with Akhenaten and Nefertiti. They stand out in this way and that they're not in the regular lineage of the Egyptians. All right. That's interesting. No, well, I've okay. done some research on, on that. Yeah, and go ahead. I, I just have the, the Akhenaten, I, I keep remembering the, um, I believe it was an artist or, or uh, a mural of some kind. that They have like this alien baby or, or something. Uh, that's Akhenaten, right? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? When they, when I, they, uh... I, I have no doubt that they portray him with an alien baby. Uh, okay. Somehow it doesn't surprise me because it does, the very kind of mystery around those two gives it this air of mystery so that we're always looking for unusual things. But there is something kind of otherworldly about that period uh, and his appearance and Nefertiti is almost, you know, her appearance is almost like, you know, very inhuman in that it's very kind of beautiful. Uh, you know, so it's luminescent and we, we have this kind of mythological pair there. Um, one of the things about the dig that I found fascinating, uh, since it is in Turkey, it represents the idea that probably Nefertiti fled Egypt and went to Turkey because when the Yamun priesthood decided it was time for Akhenaten to go, she probably figured it out and she didn't stick around. So she took a lot of these artifacts from Amarna. Now, what I find really interesting about it is this. The dating on the sarcophagus in Turkey goes back 10,000 B.C., which is 12,000 years ago. How can that even be? That versus history, but go on. I guess that was kind of just a... No, you're making a really good point. And this is this is the strange thing about it. If the entire dig proves out, as far as the dating is concerned, then it may prove that these two individuals are part of a legacy rather than being just two people at one particular frozen moment in time. This is a legacy of a group. That is, Akhenaten and Nefertiti were handed down, you know, over time in succession, in generations, and that they came to rule Egypt as part of this lineage. 
Um, but that would make them a very old group. And it wouldn't make them one particular snapshot of a person in history. It would make them representatives of very much like, you know, sort of like Queen Elizabeth is the representative of this line. Um, but it is interesting because we have a lot of anomalies with it. One, that it's in Turkey. And two, it's in a military zone, which complicates things a lot for the researchers. And three, the fact that we have this really heavy-duty dating. And if anyone but Dr. Bolter came to me with this information, I wouldn't have known what to make of it. But she, you know, she did the Pyramid Code, which is the five-part documentary series on Netflix, uh, which is outstanding. And she pulled together all these facts about the pyramid that nobody knew. And uh, she lived in Egypt. She's led over 30 tours there. She's kind of, you know, she knew the original wisdom keeper who kept the grounds around Giza, and she worked with him. So, you know, she really, as far as somebody having a real inside track, she's about as good as you're going to get. So uh, when she came forward with the images, which are available at darkjournalist.com, and I I did send you guys a couple to look at. Yes, but in in deference to you, Folks, I do want you to go to darkjournalist.com. I mean, this is his exclusive story. Um, uh, we will, uh, of course, associate the images into this program, but this is your story. This is your exclusive history changing, forever history changing story. So, with, you know, out of deference to you, that I really want to direct people to your website, darkjournalist.com, but, but go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I appreciate that. I, You know, it's interesting with this study. I mean, I've always had a very interesting kind of focus around Egypt because you might recall that um, only in the past 20 years, uh, geologists got together and decided that the Sphinx was much older based on the weather pattern. And um, what we got was big pushback from Egyptologists saying, no, you know, it's not true, it can't be happening you know, show me the culture that was in between this 2500 BC and your 10,000 BC. It can't be there. And it was very odd because, you know, geologists are very hardcore scientists. They really don't have a dog in the fight of ancient history, but they know geological patterns of weathering, water weathering, and things like that. So Robert Schock, who is up here out of Boston University, uh, he came out and tested it and said, well, you know what? The weathering comes from rain. So okay. when was the last time we had rain in Giza? And you have to go back to 10,000 B.C. for that type of weather patterning for rain. So there's no doubt that the dating is wrong in Egypt, that the culture, there was an older culture there at a certain point, but the Egyptian authorities, typical uh, media, and the regular kind of rules around archaeology don't permit us to go there because... They've set this whole thing up with Egyptology, but Egyptology has only been around since the 18th century. And frankly, they're not using any of the modern tools to set up their history. We have way more modern techniques. We have satellites, ground-penetrating radar, uh, and all types of different ways to do this. And so to simply take the word of something that was done in the 17th, 18th century doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Egyptologists and archaeology in general is very skeptical about really hardcore 
facts. You know, they regard, for example, Solomon's Temple as a myth. I mean, it's ridiculous. Huh. So they're very protective around their territory. They want to relate it back to, to their version of history. And if it's not in their version, you're out. And so there's, you know, there's a whole chain there where if you don't get funding and you're a scientist, if you're an archaeologist, you're certainly, uh, you're kind of out of luck because what are you going to do, one person against the world, even if you find something? So this is what's interesting about Dr. Carmen Bolter's story, which is she's such an authority that it's kind of going to be very hard to ignore her findings. And when she got in touch with me about them, my own reaction was to say, you know, this is big, like, are you ready? You know, because <laughs> yeah, it's not an easy ride. What are the implications here? The the, the okay, so we we have uh, and folks go to darkjournalist.com and click on the uh, story, uh, Akhenaten discovery. There, the part one interview with Dr. Carmen Bolter. But what are the uh, implications of this? The larger implications as we stand here in 2017, looking back over the landscape of history. What does this do to history, or, or what does this imply? I suppose. Well, that's a great question, and that's exactly where we have to go when we get something that upsets the apple cart of the dating system. Is like what actually has been going on, and why is that such a different story from what we've been told? Why is it so hard to get a straight answer on these things? Um, you know, it, re- it reminds me. I was doing an interview with Russell Targ, who you probably know. Uh, out of SRI, who did a lot of remote viewing, and he's a physicist who just, the CIA hired him to basically do psychic spying, to run the psychic spying program that he developed. And one of the things we got into conversation about was how the CIA had a program to find Noah's Ark. It's very unusual. Um, is, is that in their, is that in their uh, mandate? Um, it is, curious. you know, and definitely not. <laughs> but what's what's interesting about that to me, and it has been declassified, so it's been borne out what he was telling me. Um, but he was also telling me about their deep, deep interest in mysticism, psychic phenomena, all of these subjects. That uh, on the surface, while a lot of these official institutions will ridicule these things, they tend to have a great interest to put a lot of resources behind the scenes around it and that they funded him 20 years doing this program. So they obviously had a, a huge interest in it. And, in fact, it was declassified by accident. By accident. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it is interesting because, of course, at that time the Russians had a, a, a program where they were developing a kind of psychic defense group in their military, and so that made our guys interested. But I thought it was interesting around archaeology, because the CIA being interested in archaeology, what does that tell us? That there's something to the story of humanity that interests them, and their main interest is power, of course. So what is it that's back there? What does it represent? And why is it part of their kind of hidden agenda? And this is kind of um, fascinating, but if you go even deeper than that, you'll find that there are programs where, for example, um, I did an episode recently with Dr. Joseph Farrell on something called Archaeology Wars, where countries will take advantage of certain situations, like the Iraq War, mm-hmm. to go in and vandalize artifacts to try to put these puzzle pieces together. 
But he goes a step further, suggesting that one of the big reasons behind the Iraq War was to get these certain artifacts. I've heard that. that. In, in the Baghdad Museum. Now, what could be in the Baghdad Museum, you wonder, that our intelligence agencies and our military would be that interested in? And then, if you go deeper than that, are we talking about the American military? Because, of course, the teams that were looking in uh, Baghdad at the time that were doing archaeological digs for Saddam were German. So he had a, a very tight relationship with German archaeologists who were doing all these digs for him. So there's also been the suggestion that all the looting at the museum, there are a lot of eyewitness accounts that the looting was done by American soldiers. And there's a guy, actually, um, who is a high-ranking officer in the military who did a book on this. And instead of, you know, chasing down a few Iraqis to find the artifacts, he had to travel three continents to find where this stuff went. And uh, his conclusion was that it wasn't Americans going in there at all. That was somebody actually putting on American uniforms to create a diversion to grab these artifacts. Now, there is a story um, around that period of history in Samaria about these uh, Atlantean firestones, which are kind of an ancient technology. And they had the ability uh, to basically immobilize an invading army and that kind of thing. And they created a lot of fantastic legends out of this. But it has been suggested that some of this emphasis around the Middle East involves these ancient artifacts because there's a, there's a story called the Epic of Ninurta, which catalogs these weapons being put away after a kind of cosmic war takes place in the past. And, you know, as we get into these myths, we start to see that this is a typical theme. There's some kind of... You know, if it's war in the heavens or is it an actual war, even if you go to Vedic texts, they're experiencing these wars, and it, it basically sounds like, you know, some kind of nuclear exchange. So we're looking at maybe a more evolved, advanced culture back there having a lot of difficulty. And um, the weapons that they possessed were simply hidden. So, you know, in in a more modern kind of era, the Nazis had a very aggressive program for going after uh, sure, these sure. types of archaeological finds. And, you know, they believed they were looking for the grail or whatever it happened to be, but the point is that um, what they realize is there's a kind of advantage in having the real idea of the past and the actual technology of the past. Okay. Where to start at this point? Wow. <laughs> Um, you had mentioned something here. Uh, there's a couple of things. That are, if, if I can jump in, um, please do. You know, you're talking about the, uh, and I've heard many of these stories. Uh, I have friends who are in Iraq who have uniforms they claim are Saddam Hussein's or whatever. Um, I haven't heard about the uniforms being worn by other nations in order to throw throw the people Americans off to go into right the. Antiquity, you know. But yeah. what I wanted to ask was about these artifacts. I don't know how much uh, detail you have on the actual artifacts, but do you believe that if there was something of such great interest and value, um, that they would even have it on display at the museum, or is this something that? Or That's a source. That the source location that is, or would this be fair to the way in like a vault type thing? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Uh, you'd think, is it, would it be out there and displayed? Um, 
I think the point is, really, if you're talking about the central location of the museum, maybe they just knew it was inside there. It probably is a good location to store these types of things. You're probably displaying things on one level, but you probably have a whole hidden system where you can kind of store your valuables. And um, the thing about the Baghdad Museum is we know that certain things have come out of there, like the Baghdad Battery, which showed a very early uh, electromagnetic plating that they did at the time. Now, they claimed, like they do with any big find from prehistory, that, oh, well, you know, this was for jewelry and, you know, so what if they figured out electricity, they didn't do anything with it. But um, as you go deeper into it, you know, I was talking about Dr. Bolter there. One of the things that she did in the Pyramid Code is she introduced the work of someone who was studying what he called electric, electric ancient Egyptians. And this is very interesting. It's James Ernest Brown. And uh, he basically can track widespread use of electricity throughout Egypt, but only among these royal scenes. It wasn't something that you would see the regular people in the street had. But the royal people and the priests had a great understanding of electricity. And the question becomes, where did they get it? And part of these finds and part of this idea about Atlantis, for example, which comes down to us from Plato, which is a very authoritative source, um, gives us the idea that there's a very advanced culture that was operating there. Now, the story gets very kind of thick and dense because in Egypt there was a real iron grip on all the artifacts over the past 20 to 30 years by Zahi Hawass, who really... Uh, controlled the Giza Plateau where the Sphinx and the pyramids are. And as a result of his kind of iron hand there, a lot of these discoveries, like we were talking about with geology um, and redating the Sphinx, got slowed down dramatically. And really, you know, it gets hard on the ground. You know, it might sound to us great out here in the public. They've made these incredible finds. But when you're people like Dr. Bolter or Robert Schock, the geologist who did the dating, if you don't get permits to dig, you know, they can really control what you do, and they can slow that stuff down, and, and they really have. I'd say a lot of these finds around the Sphinx were taking place in 1995. Yeah. I remember Charlton Heston <laughs> doing a special on NBC about it. You know, this is I grew up with that, right? And here we are 20 years later. What happened to it? Um, it's so, interesting. Zahi Owas, a good friend of Art Bell back in the – and, folks, you might remember this – Art Bell, uh, Coast to Co- or Dreamland, Coast to Coast AM, back in the 90s, Zahi, Zahi Hawass coming on and speaking hours with Art Bell about the antiquities being found. And by the way, um, Daniel, and, and for the people listening, the, uh, oh, the 03 war, or back in 2003 when the U.S. went into Iraq, uh, at least 13,864 objects were taken, stolen from the Baghdad Museum. Supposedly 500,000 or half a million objects in the museum. Uh, thieves had about 36 hours to finger through them and to thumb through them. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, we were talking, um, with Daniel Litz of the Dark Journalist, darkjournalist.com. We'll be right back with this. Uh, he's going to be with us in through the next segment. Uh, again, folks, bookmark darkjournalist.com and check out some of the incredible content, both both audio and, and news yeah. content there. They have audio files. They have guests. Um, it's a great place to go to get information. We'll be right back with Daniel after these short messages. Stay with us. 
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? New Year from all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy New Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Our very special guest, Mr. Daniel List from, well, he's the dark journalist. I like his outfit. I like his suit outfit. What am I saying? I like a suit. Black tie affair. He's the dark journalist. Go to darkjournalist.com and, and check out his latest exclusive story. This is groundbreaking stuff. And there's a lot of subjects on, on his website. I was looking at this today. Um, the things we talk about on the show, absolutely, from you know stuff like Steve Quell and L.A. Marzulli, what they talked about yesterday. Um, this ties the one it I, together. The one I haven't looked at yet that I want to get into is the secret world of deep underground bases. Uh, yeah, we, we we man, there's so much to talk about about that. But before we get back to our guest, 
Let me ask you a question. If you're up in the frozen tundra of the north, you haven't seen the sun or grass for, you know, I don't know, three, four months, would you like to get away? I certainly would. We we found this amazing getaway package. It's at an even more amazing price. The Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Uh, right now, for just $149 per person, plus a $250 resort credit, you can enjoy an adults-only, and by that I mean 16 and up, all-inclusive getaway on a white sandy beach. Oh, just think about it right now. Smell the salt sea air. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com and make your reservation today. Now, let me tell you just very quick a little bit more about the resort and the island. The the package, it's all-inclusive, by the way. It includes your meals and snacks and beverages. Yes, even the alcohol, a glass of wine with dinner, whatever. Water, sports, daily entertainment. It includes all taxes and gratuities, so there are no hidden fees. The resort encompasses 30 acres of just beautiful tropical foliage and panoramic vistas. Oh, just imagine that. Close your eyes for a minute unless you're driving. And think about that. Oh, the seeing the water and the the... the palm fronds just oh my goodness and smelling that beach air the the resort also has two freshwater pools a spa five restaurants and and, you know the credit can be used for sailing trips and romantic dining oh take your take your take your better half out for dinner okay the gift shop a safari tour spa services so when you're ready and you need to be ready to leave the frosty weather behind and get some well-deserved r&r don't wait. This offer expires soon. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com. Or if you have a pen right now, write this number down, 800-772-8711. That's 800-772-8711. Or simply go to pineapplebeachclub.com to book your all-inclusive stay. For $149 per night per person, you can enjoy everything I mentioned and even more. Plus, you'll get a $250, that's $250 resort credit. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Folks, see the website for all details. Again, pineapplebeachclub.com. But we're talking with Mr. Daniel Litz from the, uh, his dark website. Journalist. Darkjournalist.com. I keep wanting to put the in front of everything. Darkjournalist.com. So, uh, but you were, you were just, uh, what an amazing story about this find. Um, and you said, oh, there's more during the break. Oh, there's more. So continue. <laughs> the story gets pretty deep, and uh, it's it's great to be on here with you guys too. I I listen to the show a lot, and I'm always getting great ideas. It's funny you mentioned Marzuli because I did listen to that, and I was thinking when he was talking about giants and his research about a story that Dr. P- uh, Bolter told me when I met her, which is that when she was doing routine archaeology in Egypt. Um, back in the 90s, she ran across a, uh, you know, these kind of guards who they guard the temples and they guard the artifacts and stuff. And they were saying to her, you know, do you want to see something really interesting? You know, but it's off limits. And so she made this arrangement to see it with them. And they showed her this 15-foot sarcophagus. And there wasn't a mummy in it. But in that tomb, they had made this 15-foot sarcophagus, which is a very unusual thing to do. The average Egyptian is about six feet. So, uh, you know, <laughs> there's definitely an overlap between mythology and real history in these stories. And, you know, as we kind of like are emerging with our own scientific paradigm and re-examining the ancient world, 
we shouldn't be afraid to go there and look and see, well, you know, these myths and legends were actually true. Uh, it's happened over and over again that, you know, we've seen it in archaeology. Things that were mythological at one point became factual as soon as the kind of real archaeology was put into play. So um, this thing about giants, I think, is very interesting. It, 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 I just want to say this, and then I'm going to turn it to you, Joe. It, it, it's interesting to me, as, as a man, as a Christian man who really never, honestly never really understood the Bible or thought the Bible way back when now. Don't send me emails, okay? Um, I just didn't get excited about the information in the Bible. Now it's like, okay, uh, you talk about giants, you talk about these these men of renown. My goodness, this is real. And now you're coming over here and you're saying, look, this is what we just discovered. I just bring into light and it's tying into everything. And, and Joe, go ahead. I didn't. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the, um, since we're talking about archaeology and the giants and history, um, we've heard a lot about the Smithsonian Museum covering up, uh, findings of giants and, and from archaeological digs and other, um, research missions that went on is is there any other organizations or have you come across any anything like this where you see um evidence historically of, of giants or um that would verify the bible being hidden or or covered up by institutions or people well, i have no doubt that there's a very controlled narrative um for example i mean the way i would liken it is you know when i worked i've worked in traditional media outlets and the type of environment there was when a story would come up, you could take it so far, you know. Um, so this might relate to something else that was coming up at the time, but there was an environment there that you got to this choke point around information. So, for example, before the housing crisis hit and the financial meltdown, there were certain things you could not say leading up to it. And so I've always had a sense for when those things were coming up when it comes to archaeology, uh, you know, just like NASA with space, something like the Smithsonian, we're not going to get the full story on because, um, for one, they are ingratiated to uh, things like the Rockefeller Foundation. The Rockefeller Foundation has a great interest in archaeology. They have a great interest in funding archaeological digs. And they have a great interest in holding all that information to themselves. Um, you know, another great example is MUFON, which studies uh, UFO contacts and UFO sightings and UFO technology. Well, there's a guy named uh, Bigelow who runs Bigelow Aerospace out of Nevada. And Bigelow is a very interesting character, very interested in all different types of activities around UFOs. So he he did incredible funding for UFOs, but one of the things that he made mandatory was that MUFON couldn't show certain types of findings to the public anymore. And because MUFON was this small UFO organization with practically no budget, you know, and this guy is coming around with a million-dollar budget, sure, why not? You know, he gets all the data. This is the way it works. You know, they certainly like this type of information. Um, the Rockefeller Foundation funded Zachariah Sitchin's research, for example, um, and, you know, Sitchin, everyone and their grandmother has taken off with the Anunnaki themes that he developed. Mm-hmm. But certainly he did some good research initially around the period, and they they sort of vacuumed up a lot of that. So these institutions which claim to be, you know, holding straight and narrow science and, you know, here's your regular archaeology, it goes like a straight line just like this, um, 
they're the ones who kind of, not only do they not let it out to the public, but they actively dissuade the public from getting involved in these types of things. And I've seen it over and over again. Strangely enough, though, it works the same way the political media structure works. If they found something, um, you know, you were talking about biblical scholarship. When people look at the Bible archaeologically, there's all kinds of evidence for the different stories. But in traditional archaeology, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is the mythological story. So we see the difference there. The, you know, the true, if somebody's looking for the facts on the ground, you can find, you know, all kinds of examples of these stories, uh, you know, for the story of Moses and so on. So certainly uh, science and archaeology have a problem with portraying history as it was. Now, interestingly enough, in what we were talking about with Dr. Carmen Bolter's find and some of the stories that have come out of Egypt, like the Sphinx redating, for example, to a much older period, because the Sphinx currently dated around 2500 B.C., uh, the dating took it to 10,500 B.C. That's 8,000 years. So that kind of a gulf really creates problems. If you've created this whole system, you know, it, basically the system that you've crafted won't do. And what are people going to find out if they start getting into that? This seems to be not only a lock around information, but a kind of a lock around consciousness in a sense. Because if I become conscious of that period, I'm going to lock into it somehow and become aware of things uh, far beyond the way it's taught, it's history, which is basically, you know, the Hittites and the Phoenicians and the Egyptians all fought, and, you know, the Hebrews were taken as slaves, and this whole, this is one chapter of the whole thing when we have a much larger uh, picture going on here, I think. So, so if, what's, yeah, the, go ahead. what's the motive? I mean, what would be, uh, I, rather than me trying to assume, you tell you tell me what you believe would be the motive in this um, because well, I mean, I I can see the obvious overt implications to history, but when you take a look at this from, you know, you take take a step back and take a look at all of this, what's the motive here to cover this up or to keep this quiet or to ask it another way, the discovery that that you're disclosing has serious implications in what in what way? Oh, it's an excellent question, actually. I um, Well, the reason I call it archaeology wars is because uh, we have to think of it in terms of what somebody gets, you know, the type of kind of positioning that nations do to get information on other nations, to get an advantage over other nations, and what they can do with it. So there are certainly deep forces attached to this. Um, you know, if, like Russell Targ was saying, the CIA was looking for Noah's Ark, what does that tell you? That it, intelligence has a wing, just like the Nazis had a wing, that looks into ancient history as a means to produce an advantage for the current culture. So um, one of the things that I'll do it through two individuals, uh, Zahi Hawass, who we mentioned, and Mark Lehner, now, Mark Lehner and Hawass had a lock over the Giza Plateau until Mubarak was thrown out of office. Mubarak, before he was thrown out of office, and he was the president for over 20 years in Egypt, uh, he was overthrown by a military coup during the whole uh, rise-up during the Arab Spring. But he had elevated Hawass to cabinet level as the minister of culture. 
in antiquities. So if we think about the power of that, you know, a cabinet-level officer is somebody, as you get down the line, who could actually take over the country. So why would you have an archaeologist as a cabinet member? It's a very unusual move. Another strange thing about Hawass is that every time the guy turned around or sneezed, there was a new National Geographic special with him at the helm, and he was coming out with all these wild things. Well, I have the DNA of Nefertiti, and, you know, I found this, I found that. None of it panned out to be true. If you go back and all through these different things that they had specials about, all of the information that came apart. So what was it that was behind that whole push, and how do you get someone that institutionalized to just feed the line? Well, let's study Hawass and Lehner for a minute. Lehner was a high school dropout who was the boyfriend of the son of Edgar Cayce, who was the famous sleeping psychic in Virginia Beach. And Cayce ran uh, Cayce's readings when he did his psychic readings. He did a lot of health readings, but he did a lot of readings about ancient history. And he made a number of very interesting predictions. And a lot of things he said about the past turned out to be true. Uh, so I think that in terms of Cayce's work, there's a lot of value to it. Um, but his son, who was running the ARE, Hugh Lin, wanted very much to create a structure where they could go into these countries and actually find out if the Casey readings were correct. So he actually built up this guy out of the blue, uh, who really was directionless, and sent him to college and uh, sent him through archaeology training and placed him in Cairo. And Lehner became the top uh, person for archaeology with Hawass, and they both ran the Giza Plateau. Now, Hawass also has a huge tie into Casey's organization, uh, the ARE. And I understand, by the way, I'm not trying to suggest anything that about the ARE being, uh, you know, in any way kind of uh, behind-the-scenes conspiratorial. I think what they're trying to do is prove some of Casey's predictions about the Atlanteans and the Hall of Records and the things that he's looking for. But Hawass and Lehner were both funded and put into position in Cairo by the ARE. So they know all about Casey's information about Atlantis, the prehistory of Egypt, the Hall of Records that's supposed to be under the Sphinx, all of this stuff. They know it hardcore because their sponsor was the ARE, which is Casey's foundation. So this is a very unusual set of circumstances. We have to understand that their public face, where they just hold the line and say, well, you know, Egyptians, they came up and, you know, they built the pyramid by passing mud bricks <laughs> and that kind of thing. You know, this this whole charade that they are, are putting on is really, um, you know, something for the public. And they know the deeper esoteric information. Uh, and they're obviously students of it. And I find it very unusual that they were in those types of positions at the very top of that archaeological pyramid, but they had this very deep esoteric tone. I think it tells you a lot about how important control of those artifacts and those plateaus and those monuments are. I think it could tell us a great deal about the past that we don't know. Yeah, and I agree. And it's a it's a shame that we have um, you know people hiding and. and keeping from the public the, a lot of the discoveries that are made, but that's been the way it has been throughout history, and, and I'm sure it will continue um, will continue that, on that same track. Um, we have about, what, 10 minutes left of the interview? Yeah, we do. Uh, Daniel, I don't know, you want to continue to talk about 
Um, it's an amazing discovery. The Egyptian know. investigation, or do you want to take it somewhere else with the few minutes we have left? Oh, that's great. Um, well, it's great to be here with you guys. Really, it's great to have you. I mean, yeah. you do such great work. And if I can just sing your praises for a moment, folks, go to darkjournalist.com. All right, do that. Bookmark that website. You know, I like, I really like good investigators, great investigators, actually. And there you have at darkjournalist.com one great investigator. Endangered species today. Exactly. The newsletter he's got, the the audio files. And you know his tagline, the truth is never easy. Um, Very well stated in some cutting-edge conversations with people like uh, Jim Mars and Joseph Farrell and his special reports. Uh, Folks, it's a wealth of information, darkjournalist.com. But, okay, uh, I, I, I want to ask you one thing because I kind of, we kind of glossed over this. The location from Egypt to Turkey, um, that's troublesome beyond just a, a passing statement. How does that work? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, well, we haven't had a major find in a different country of, you know, Egyptian artifacts. Not on the record, anyway. Certainly, there's a very unusual story uh, that came out about Grand Canyon artifacts looking very Mayan and very Egyptian. Uh, but that story was covered up uh, because of the era that it was in around the 1920s. But this find uh, represents a real change in the paradigm of how we look at ancient history. So we have to imagine for a moment that whoever took these artifacts in the first place was fleeing from Amarna, which was uh, Akhenaten's destination, the new capital. And so if there was upheaval there, they took off with a number of these kind of representations. Now, we think it's Nefertiti who took off with these goods um, and placed them hurriedly in a tomb in Turkey. Now, I think this what this is telling us, though, is that we're looking at this story and trying to get to the bottom of it you know, if we find these artifacts to be 10,000 years old, as the dating suggests, then um, the idea is that they're heirlooms, that they've had them over time, which gives us that age of ancient Egypt again. So it is really a breakthrough, not only in dating and traditional archaeology, and I'm sure they're going to find a number of reasons to try to say that dating is wrong, but as we know, in Turkey recently, they found a site called Gobekli Tepe, with these long towers, very unusual-looking figurines, and huge circles that looked a lot like Stonehenge, for example. So, you know, we're going into this, we're looking at that. They dated that site officially. Even National Geographic will tell you that the site dates to 12,000 years ago. doesn't have anything to do with Egypt. It's some strange Turkish culture popped out of the blue, very advanced, building megaliths, just, you know... 10,000 years earlier than everybody else. So we have a lot of problems on the dating front as far as archaeology is concerned. They're going to have to. Uh, I'd say, you know, nowadays, for example, there are findings coming out about pyramids in Spain. Yes. So that's, they're getting all that information from satellites. Um, the geosatellites are changing everything about what we know about the ancient past. So we need to step it up from where it was. You know, this whole battle of Redating the Sphinx that I got into is absurd. 
you know, that was in the 90s that that came up. We should know all that information. There should be a whole new view of history now. But uh, there are these blocks and these choke points, as we've discussed. The core reason, I think, is that there's too much vested in one version of history, and they're not willing to let that version go. Also, if we were more advanced in the past, if there was an advanced culture back there, uh, you know, advanced spiritually, advanced technologically, and it was taken out by a lower culture, um, then, you know, we, we could be looking at a whole different, like a huge influence on modern culture, yeah. which might threaten a lot of these kind of intelligence agencies and the types of grips that they have on things. I find it interesting, um, and I guess I'll, I'll wrap up with, uh, I was talking about Russell Targ earlier, but it was a fascinating conversation because I've studied his work for so long, and he's in his 80s now, but sharp. And one of the things he told me was, you know, look, behind the scenes, they have extensive programs that are nested. And, you know, some of them go so dark that we'll never get any results in the public about it. But the programs that he was using, uh, where they were trying to remote view objects, they went so far as to remote view um, the kidnapping of a U.S. diplomat, and they used the remote viewer to free him. So this is how deep this type wow. of information goes. So when you think about that, then you realize, oh, there's all sorts of things that they're not telling us. Um, and they have funding for that, and very often black budget funding, so it can't be traced. So when it comes to archaeology and archaeology wars, something like the Baghdad Museum, well, it's not very hard for deep elements in that intelligence community to create the impression that some soldiers went in there and grabbed artifacts. Um, you know, be very simple thing for them to do. Very interesting. And what you just talked about, uh, some of the stuff came out in that big CIA document dump that they had about different CIA projects that uh, back in the 70s and 60s, 70s that worked with uh, you know, telekinesis that worked with, uh, the remote viewing, you know, researching and funding, um, those kinds of projects in order to, uh, according to the documents from what I've seen, they really didn't go anywhere. And there were some yeah. other, um, documents that had kind of trumped up results with the, um, somebody drawing something on a paper and a guy sitting uh, across the room trying to draw the same things, you know, based on, uh, whatever you call it, uh, being able to read other people's minds. And I never put much stock into remote viewing. But um, it is very interesting to see. Now, let me ask you, the is, is there the ability to uh, cover up a lot of the stuff that's discovered to steer the narrative in a, in a certain direction? Is that due to uh, people's lack of interest for archaeological digs? Or is this just something, that, as you said, that's controlled uh, pretty much at the, the ground level there, making sure it never gets out? Uh, I think it's more about controlling it at the ground level because people have a tremendous interest in archaeology, I've found. Uh, it, you do find that, you know, it's difficult. Where do you fit in, in when you're under siege uh, by GMOs and chemtrails and political news and the crackdown, you know? Um, and when you see these forces trying to create almost a civil war in America uh, right now, you know, it's funny I think it is hard to include some of these larger pictures, but I find that people make a place for it when it stands out. And something like this, for example, it's almost like people understand that the culture was a lot older, that there was something special back there, and that there was some kind of a cosmic war that took place in prehistory. There's too many legends about it. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of things about before the flood in this antediluvian period that I think are very much worth looking into. And probably when we get a handle on that, we'll understand our position, you know, coming up through the centuries now. It's not like we've, you know, advanced so far beyond the ancient times. It's that we've come back up to civilization, which got wiped out back there at some point. And I, I think that's kind of worthwhile, yeah. But in the Bible says there's yeah. nothing new under the sun, and what was before Very will true. be again. And and, and uh, I have no doubt that there. I mean, just from the Book of Enoch, talks about all the different technologies and and forbidden secrets that were given to man, um, you know, by these entities and these fallen ones. So it, it, it's a very real possibility that we're not. E- we haven't even reached the point where um, a civilization from thousands of years ago was technologically uh, then versus today. It's very, it's a very real possibility. And I, I just want to direct people to darkjournalist.com. That's dark journalist, yeah, darkjournalist.com. Part one interview with Dr. Carmen Bolter, uh, Akhenaten Discovery, uh, changes history forever. You've got to check that out. And we're so, we're so pleased and, uh, grateful that, uh, Daniel had, uh, agreed to share his findings, their findings. Yeah, and uh, thank you for this program. Thank you for joining us, Daniel. We're at the the end of our our segment here. We'll have to have you back in the near future. Man, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great to be with you guys. It's great to have you. God bless you, my friend. Keep Stay safe work. out there. Yeah, keep trucking. <laughs> All right. Talk All soon. Right. All right. After the break, we will be back with Pastor David Langford for our third and final hour on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Coming to you for the first time in high def. I want to thank Real Tech Eric. That's at Real Tech Eric on Twitter. I want to thank our Eric the Tech. He uh, he's over there. Uh, I think he's got malaria. I'm not sure. Got to have him tested. See, he's got he's got a young child. So um, all all the gooey stuff you know that they pick up, he he, he gets. So in another. Day we're gonna we're gonna put a bubble. We'll call him Bubble Boy because you know we can't get it. Uh, boy, we're gonna open this hour to Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism. That's thevoiceofevangelism.com. He's America's pastor, in my view, and also the pastor of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, he's a, a man that I've got so much respect for. He knows his Bible, he knows the Scripture, and he knows it topically. In, in context. And it's interesting because we see everything taking place right now. Um, as Joe said earlier, the, the difference is there's nothing new under the sun, and really there's not. So we're going to be talking to Dr. Uh, or Doctor. Well, he might as well be. Uh, certainly does more uh, uh, scripture, or uh, is a doctor uh, for the scriptures, shall we say, and uh, helping me understand things. But uh, before we get to Pastor David Langford, I want to ask you, you got your preps. If you don't, you better, you better start. You better keep Make sure your preps are uptight. Don't lay, don't use this time to just lay off the preps. Part of the preps, an integral part of the preps is how you're going to cook your food. Because when the lights go out, the power goes out, you don't have anything. Let me tell you, I have the perfect solution for you. This is the official rocket stove of the Hagman and Hagman Report. It's Minuteman Rocket Stove. Go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. It is the perfect survival cooking stove for you and your family. It's a it's a biomass burning stove. It's it's a 50 caliber ammo can design. It, it's designed um, features a, a self sealing lid. It's got a rubber seal. It's got a carrying handle. Stove only weighs 14 pounds. Pounds. It travels clean. It travels relatively light. You're not going to have any. Uh, any of the soda smelling, anything that would uh, 
so he says, sync up your, your pantry or your car. No, they've take they've taken care of care of this for you. Minuteman stoves are made in America. And did you know that they're also serving with our troops overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan? These are handmade, battle proven, extremely rugged. Minuteman stoves, did you know this? They come with a two year no hassle warranty, which by the way, to date no one has ever used. Why? Because they're made to last. The Minuteman stove fully insulated. It directs the heat where you need it. It's heat comparable to a kitchen stove. It can be used on a picnic table because the outside only reaches about 200 degrees. You can pick it up with your hands. But the inside, it's like a, it's like a kitchen stove. This is the answer. This is the answer for cooking in emergency situations. It's the Minuteman Rocket Stove at MinutemanStove.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out their fire starters because when matches just don't, won't work, and you don't have a lighter to start the stove, you need a fire starter. And they're the best of the best. This is the Cadillac of the stove and fire starter industry. MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Without further ado, Joe, Red Spring, Pastor David Langford. Pastor Langford, it's great to have you back on the show. It's a joy to be here with you guys. And, uh, Doug, I don't have a doctorate. I have a Ph.D., a post hole digger. I know how to use one of those. <laughs> no offense to anyone listening tonight that does have a legitimate PhD. I always use that as a little element of humor. I can use a set of post hole diggers very well. I love it. And, and you know, it's it, to me, uh, there's a big difference between book knowledge and actual practical application. Street smarts, shall we say. Big difference. You know, we need some common sense, and um, I watch the the frivolity of our leadership. The Democrats won't even show up at these hearings. Have you ever seen such childish display? And they used to want to use the word germane decorum and all of this stuff. They're the biggest hypocrites, two-faced, sniveling serpents that has ever been and and they're the biggest welfare recipients of anyone because that's all they do too is live off the people's back and um it it's really it's really tragic to think that these people keep getting elected and you know Donald Trump I that's what I want to talk about tonight because there are so many people bashing him. And I, and I know I'm going to get a boatload of criticism, but you've got false teachers, you've got false preachers that are attacking him. Um, you've got all the liberals. Um, I, I listened to Cecilia Vega today. Uh, she's the White House correspondent for ABC. And she made the statement. She said, Steve Brannon was overheard saying uh, that Islam is a religion of submission. And I thought, what an idiot. You see, anybody can look up the word Islam. It means submission or surrender. 
but they perceive that the general listening, viewing audience in America is so stupid that we don't even know what the word Islam means. And all he was saying was, that religion means submission. But he was purportedly overheard saying, Islam is a religion of submission. And I thought, you can see the hatred, and that's what I want to talk about tonight, how imperative it is that we hold this man up in prayer. Now, I, I know you'll be attacked because I'm on the program. I know I will be assassinated uh, verbally, uh, emails, and, and that's all right, because every time I get one of those, those people are in the lot with Cora and Dathan and Madonna and, you know, Barbara Streisand. That, that's who these people are casting their lot with. Now, they would not say they're doing that, but they are. You see, you either are on God's side or you're on their side. Pastor, God, let me ask you. Yeah, yeah I, I don't mean it. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I know that you were busy and I had, uh, I had an opening statement with our program today and we have some new listeners here this hour specifically tuning in to you. Can I just, um, give you, uh, about a paragraph of my opening statement since you brought this up? Because, Absolutely. Okay. All right. And folks, if you didn't hear it and you're just tuning in this hour for Pastor Langford, um, I did this in the first hour, but, uh, here it is. I'm just going to repeat this and then Pastor Langford, um, can expand on it if he, if he so chooses. But I, I said this. We've had eight years of a Muslim embracing multicultural pansy who sold, who sold out this country using many overt tactics while smiling to our faces. Nothing got done, but now it is. We've had eight years of a Sharia-loving, treacherous, traitorous, constitution-ignoring, lawless, wicked, wretched, warmongering, self-enriching, community-activist, communist, a Saul Alinsky-loving radical who demanded that we bow to the altar of Muslim conquest, extremism, and subjugation. And we've had a decade of open-door, come-on-in-the-water's-fine policy where untold Islamic barbarians have entered this country for one reason and one reason only, to change our constitutional republic into a Mecca of the West. And, and I said, Pastor, that we've had previous guests on this show who can't simply handle the fact that the status quo of inefficiency this incestuous relationship is being replaced by someone who is far from perfect but, but far more attentive to our needs than the national embarrassment known as Barack Hussein Obama, a man whose bona fides were proven to be forged. And those guests, by the way, will never be invited back. And I, I just, I'll just stop there, but, but you've, you've said it. And, and, you know, the level of ignorance is amazing and astounding. Um, but I, I thought that that kind of fit in with what you were saying. Well, yeah, you know, sin makes you stupid. You know, I, I was a sinner, and I, I, you never hear me say we're all sinners saved by grace. I was a sinner before I got saved. Now that I'm saved, I'm a Christian. I'm not a sinner anymore. That is that is a very uh, poor statement for people to make. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Second Corinthians 5.17. That does not mean I'm perfect. But once I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, I'm not a sinner. Do I still have difficulties? Do I still have growing pains? Do I still miss the mark? Yes. 
but I certainly do not live a daily life of sin. My lifestyle has changed. You know, the night I gave my heart to the Lord, I laid down the liquor bottle, I laid down the pot, the mescaline, the quaaludes. Um, you know, I did have a, about a year before I could get to where I could speak without saying a curse word. Uh, it took time. to. That was the hardest thing because those uh, vocabularies are hard to totally re-harness. As I told a man the other day, I said, I, I don't curse anymore. I haven't forgotten the words. I just don't use them anymore because they don't, they don't resolve anything. Um, God saves a man's soul and spirit. My flesh has never been saved or redeemed. If it was, why am I growing old? Why is my hair turning gray? That's the curse of sin upon my humanity. Uh, that's just part of what life is about now. Uh, I'm getting closer to my eternal life every day. Uh, I'll be 62 next month. So I'm getting closer to that eternal embracement of which I'm striving and living for that eternal life. Not lost without God, but redeemed by God. Ephesians 1 and 13, sealed by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30, until the day of redemption. Um and that redemption is not the redemption of my spirit, but the redemption of my humanity. First uh, uh, John three one, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because they knew Him not. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as pure. The redeemed, those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, will receive a body just like Christ's body. It is a glorified body. It has flesh, it has bone, but it has no blood. Because it's the Spirit of God that will be coursing through our veins, and the Spirit is life. When a person dies, we know they're dead because their spirit leaves their body. And thus they become nothing but a mere corpse, a clay jar that is now empty. It has no life in it because the life is in the Spirit. And, um, and so when the Spirit leaves, the body, of course, becomes deceased, and we become a decedent. We no longer exist. But what I wanted to talk about, I didn't mean to get off on that rabbit trail. I want, if the people have their Bibles tonight, to go with me to Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Uh, my wife and I broke our fast Sunday. I was checked by the Holy Ghost to do something I have never done in my life. We broke our fast with communion. Uh, I served her and myself communion. We knelt down beside the bed, and we had communion. And then we went into a time of prayer. And one of the most humbling, uh, fasting, of course, humbles you, but this is one of the most humbling ways I've ever in my whole life broken a fast to serve my wife and I communion, a very humbling thing. And I want to say thank you to those who have fasted with us, I know one person fasted the entire month of January. I know of another brother who fasted 21 days. A lot of people have been fasting and praying 
uh, Doug and Joe. I want you to know that. Um, and, and this is what we're going to be talking about. And um, this is why it's important that you quit listening to certain people and reading things that certain people write because they do not have a relationship with God. You know, I hear people talk about God, and they write their articles and whatever, but they put no Bible in it. Uh, Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, This people draweth not unto me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Uh, they just honor God with their mouth. But, you know, you can talk about, you read your Bible, you can talk about, you know, you pray. But do you ever fast? Uh, when people fast, they mean business with God when you say, I'm not going to eat. Uh, there were cities of refuge that God made for people who may have accidentally killed someone, and they would flee to a city of refuge, and they would go to the temple, and they would hold to the horns of the altar. And that simply meant, I'll either be delivered here, or I will die here. And uh, when you get to a place that you'll die doing without food, that's what you're doing. You're dying. You're starving yourself to death because you're saying, I want more of God than I want more of this life. I love God more than this life. And, uh, you know, I never hear ministers anymore speak of that, but yet they'll tell you they're prophets and they're this and they're that. And, you know, it's just a bunch of jargon. That, that, that's all it is. There's no substance to it. But uh, I want to read from Exodus 17. I think that's apropos because this is 2017. I felt led to begin at verse 8 because 8 means new beginnings. But this was Israel's first battle after their exodus out of Egypt. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, or Jehovah, God is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I thought about Trump. Ever since he's been sworn in, it's been nothing but a battle. It began on day one. Moses was the lawgiver. 
John 1, 17 said, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Trump said he's going to change laws. Moses was raised up by God to enforce the Mosaic, what we call the Mosaic Law. This nation has laws on the books, but you know nobody wants to enforce them or keep them. So just like this lady, I believe her last name was Yates. Uh, she was the interim attorney general. She had to be fired because she was willfully disobedient which is treasonous. She took an oath, too, that she would you know, defend the Constitution and the laws of the land. So she was a liar her whole life, as far as I'm concerned, was a lie as well. And so Moses said unto Joshua, Now Amalek is a descendant of Esau. Esau is the founding father of the Edomites, which were perpetual enemies of Israel. And this all really began over water. If you'll go back and read the first seven verses, uh, they were needing water. And during the Exodus, there were those that Moses would approach and say, can, can we go through your land? Uh, we won't take anything. We won't get any water. We won't eat any of your fruit. Just let us go. And they were always telling them no. And they would come and withstand them, five kings and one uh portion of the book of Exodus, they collectively came together to make sure that Israel couldn't get through there. And so what I began to see during my time of fasting was how everyone, left, right, Republicans, Democrats, media, they're all going to come against this man. Everyone, for the most part, is going to come against this man. This man, for the most part, is a loner. Uh, Spence said even his wife will not even move to the to the White House. He's standing virtually alone. And as uh, CBN was interviewing him the other day, he mentioned he, he needed more prayer than ever before. And I want to say to those who are bashing the man, now I'm not a I'm not a Trump wielding banner lauding extolling person. I'm just telling you that God has done something. And I'm going to pray for the man. I'm going to hold the man up. And you can cast your lot with whoever you want to cast your lot with. But up to this point, this man has kept more of any president I've seen in my lifetime and been more honest so far as any president I, I have personally seen other than Ronald Reagan. He's, he's trying to do what he said he would do, but of course he's going to face much opposition. Here in verse 9 is the first mention of Joshua. Joshua is another name for Yahshua, Jesus. Joshua was a type of Christ. And Moses makes an appeal to Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill. As I said, this was really over water. Now we all know without water, you, you just can't, you can't live. Water is a type of both the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. 
Jesus said in John seven thirty eight, He that believeth in me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This speaks of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5 and 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. David said in Psalms 119, verse 9, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. So without the word of God, without the Holy Spirit, the church will die. Donald Trump has said he's going to go back and he's going to try to rescind this purported law. I don't know that it's even a law. Uh, it's only used when it's to their advantage, but during the Gore and Clinton administration, uh, if you will remember, Al Gore went down to T.D. Jake's church and stood and promoted himself and Bill Clinton. Well, that's why these men that have 501c3s have fear. Because if you, you, you're not supposed to be able to talk about a politician or promote one is really the, 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 the clause is you cannot talk about a politician and promote him to be voted for. Well, to let one of the candidates in your pulpit pretty makes it, pretty much makes it clear who you want the people to vote for. But they didn't bother them because of course they wanted to win. So of course Bill Clinton would not tell the IRS, go after T.D. Jakes. They wanted the, the black vote. So they, they didn't, they didn't bother to go there. So he said, this was, this was by Lyndon Baines Johnson back in 1963, so he says, Trump has said the church has lost its voice. He said, I'm going to help you get your voice back to those of you who have fear. He's going to try to get this also overturned. But my, my point is, this is the first mention of Joshua in the scriptures here in verse 9, which is a type of Christ telling Joshua, you've got to get us men. That will, that will fight. And I believe the Lord is calling the church to a battle. Uh, the number 45, as I've said before, means preservation. Jehovah, Joshua, Yahushua is one who defends, one who preserves, one who gets the victory. It'll be, the victory will be won through us seeking the face and the counsel of God. So he says to Joshua, choose us out men to go and fight. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Now that spoke volumes to me. Why? Where did Trump go, folks? He went to Capitol Hill. He went to a hill and said, you're going to get your voice back. You're going to be heard. I'm going to do everything that I can. And this is why it's, it, it, it's incumbent. It, it, the burden is on the church now. God has opened the door. God has given us a venue. The, the, the door has been opened. Now what will we do? He said in Revelation 2, I will open a door. No man can shut it. I will shut a door and no man can shut it. Open it. God has opened the door. What are we going to do with the door? I know we're close to the break. I'm going to give it back to you, Joe. Right on time, Pastor Langford. Uh, you hit it right to the second mark with, with the break Well, there. great. Praise but, the Lord. Shows that I'm and, anointed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no, it's a, a fantastic message, you know, starting off with, with, with the hate that is in this country. It is certainly spreading like wildfire. 
to those who are allowing themselves to, to be caught up in it. Uh, folks, we're talking with Pastor David Langford from TheVoiceOfEvangelism.com. That's TheVoiceOfEvangelism.com. Check out his radio show, The Voice of Evangelism, on, on Blog Talk Radio, as well as bookmark his website. We'll be right back with Pastor Langford for our final segment right after this. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their house by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all and may God bless America. Happy New Year! Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Reporter. Guest is Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. And his book, Revelation 13 Revealed, what a tremendous book. 
it got me really interested in uh, in the book of Revelation. It's just not a book of symbols and such. It uh, makes perfect sense, especially in the context of the current days. I would urge everyone to go to thevoiceofevangelism.com and, of course, check out not just his books, but the media section there. Uh, we've been graced and blessed with a uh, copy of a DVD of the Bible. And it's what a wonderful uh, way to spend some time. Sit down with your wife, your husband, your family, and listen, watch the Bible, and read along with it. Um, what, what a tremendous, what a tremendous, uh, I, I just can't describe it. It, it takes it takes your level of understanding of the Bible to a different level. Before we get back to Pastor Langford, tradingpostinthewoods.com, tradingpostinthewoods.com. You remember the stores? Well, perhaps you're not old enough to, but your great-great-grandparents, you know, the Trading Post in the Woods. Well, tradingpostinthewoods.com, they've taken the, the old Trading Post to the virtual realm. They teach and equip people how not to be a victim or, or be the problem when crisis happens, but instead be the solution. They are an American family-owned and operated company formed from their skills and knowledge gained from responding to over 18 major and countless minor disasters, both here in the U.S. and around the world. And they've learned, sadly, that most disaster victims don't even have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicines, for example, to save their lives. Well, they've created Simple Survival uh, American Heritage Remedies Kit and other natural alternatives to provide help for a host of maladies when there is no doctor, no pharmacy for miles around, or even available. You may not be a medical doctor, but most likely neither was your grandma or, or her mother. But they used a host of natural remedies to address the ailing things of their families. And you can too. Go to tradingpostinthewoods.com. Spend some time there. Check it out. We are customers, clients of Trading Post in the Woods. We use their natural remedies, and we have them in our pantry for that just-in-case situation. Trainingpostinthewoods.com. Pastor Langford, uh, you've done some some great work. You were talking about Exodus and Matthew, and and comparing it to current day. And just go ahead, sir, and uh, continue because this is this is so important. I want to pick it back up in verse 9, where Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. It's imperative that we, the church, we are the ones to engage the battle. Moses was the conduit that God was working through. And I want to say this, too. Uh, Psalms 105.15 says, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. I know I'll get a boatload of blowback on this one as well. But if God has anointed Trump, you better be careful what you're doing. Now I know there'll be those who say, God cannot anoint Trump. He's not a Christian. He anointed Cyrus and he told Cyrus, You don't even know me. You don't even know that I exist, but I have anointed you. You see, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So Joshua and the men were to go out and fight while 
Moses went to the top of the hill, Capitol Hill, with the rod of God in his hand. And he went there to fight, and that, that rod we know was used uh, to swallow up Pharaoh's snakes. It was used to part the Red Sea. Moses used it to strike the rock, and water came out. And the rod just speaks of authority. And, of course, Trump may not have a rod, but he has a pen, like some other man once said, I have a telephone and a pen. And he's using that pen right now to do a lot of things. So the Bible says that Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now, the top there in the Greek is Rosh, R-O-S-H. It means a head person, a leader, a chief, a captain, head of the people, one who has power of, an, uh, of, of being on a throne. I'm not saying Donald Trump is a king. I'm just saying he's been empowered. The power's been invested in him as president of the United States. Joshua did as Moses commanded him, and he began to go and fight with Amalek. Now, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, they were at the top of the hill. Moses was the prophet. Aaron was the priest. Hur, if you will remember in your genealogy, was the son of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were of another spirit. All tribes came, all kings came from the tribe of Judah. Hur was the type of a king. So you got a prophet, a priest, and a king. And as I said, all tribes or excuse me, I keep saying tribes, all kings came from the tribe of Judah. So as the church, me as a church leader, as a pastor, as a minister, it's my responsibility to pray for Donald Trump. As church believers of Christ, it's our job to pray for Donald Trump. God has put something in my spirit. The more we pray and cover this man in prayer, the greater victories and battles you're going to see won in this nation. This is an impetus for us to cry out to God. The church just can't seem to handle a victory. We can't seem to handle blessings and prosperity. When God begins to bless, we become apathetic. You know, the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3, the church says, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we have need of nothing. God said, no, but you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Well, this is the state the church has been, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and God is going to present to himself a glorious church. So there's got to be a, there's got to be a turning point somewhere for God's word to be fulfilled. Ephesians 5 and 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. We don't see a church like that right now. But for that Bible verse to come to pass, and God is not a man that he should lie, something has to happen that the church begins to transform itself into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayer, intercessions, intercessory prayer, not just you know, thank you, Lord, for the, the win. Thank you, Lord. No, you have to intercede, intercessions. 
and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I'm looking for a literal harvest of souls in the coming days. All right, as I said, Moses was the prophet. Aaron was the priest. Her was from the tribe of Judah. That's where the kings came from. As members of the church, as members of the body of Christ, we are kings and priests, Revelation 1 and 6, and have made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. So we have this spiritual authority as kings and priests. Notice I said spiritual. Donald Trump's not a king. I'm not a king. I'm not a, an Old Testament priest. But in the spirit, in the spirit we are kings and priests, First Peter 2, 4 and 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. That's us. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Intercessory prayer is a spiritual sacrifice. We don't offer bullocks, turtle dove, rams, and goats, and flour, and meal. We don't make those offerings no more. We're not under the law. But yet Peter said we make spiritual sacrifices. We spiritually fast and we spiritually pray and we spiritually cry out to God. This is, this is so pleasing in the sight of God. And this is what Aaron and what her were doing in the behalf of Moses. Got to remember now, the man is approaching his latter years. He didn't even begin the Exodus until he was 80 years of age. He would spend 40 years with Israel. His life was divided in three 40-year segments, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years out of Egypt in the wilderness. God was getting the world out of him, and then 40 years leading Israel out of their bondage. And because he was provoked by them and disobeyed God in smiting the rock versus speaking to the rock, God said, I'll let you see the promised land, but I'll not let you go into the promised land. So he suffered because of the people. The Bible said while Moses' hands were held up, Israel prevailed. When Moses' hands fell down, Amalek prevailed. What am I saying? We have to keep holding the man's hands up. No, we can't go up there and get close to him to do that. But we do that in the spirit. We do that in the spirit. The Bible said in verse 12 that Moses' hands were heavy. He, he became weary. I believe Trump, if we don't continue to pray for him, this evil spiritual presence in Washington will break him down, burden him down with all of this. This is spiritual resistance. As I said, these Democrats would not even show up to the hearings. So they had to, you know, impose more rules so they could, you know, put these secretaries in without a Democrat even sitting there. 
You see, they don't like this change. He said, I'm going to drain the swamp. People don't believe that. We, you know, we have people accusing him of being a liar. You know, so far the man has done everything he said he's going to do. You know, and they, and they're always trying to change the words on him. Just like Jesus, they always tried to mess with his verbiage. They tried to mess with his words, saying this is a Muslim band. That's not what he said. But that's what they want the American people to believe. This, this, this shows you this is the enemy. This shows you they are against him, trying to destroy him. And, and, and pro, in the process, folks, they're trying to destroy us. You have to see beyond the veneer. They're trying to destroy, stamp out Christianity. Stamp out anything to do with godliness. Now, the uh, is it the Girl Scouts now or the Boy Scouts are going to embrace Boy transgen- Scouts. Yeah, Boy Scouts. Transgenderism. Are you kidding me? We got Girl Scouts now, so why do we need that? The The, the, the battle will not lesson it will not wane it will not abate it's only going to intensify i i listen to the idiocy the 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 asininity of what people say that must happen if it doesn't line up with the word of god if it doesn't line up with the word of god then it's a lie whatever anybody says anything that anybody says then if they say it opposite to the Word of God, then they're the liars, not God. You, you don't need to expect the world to ever make a difference in our politics. That'll never happen. The church is the salt. The church is the light. Donald Trump will not bring a revival, but it'll be the church. But he can be a man that says, you know what, I'm going to let the church have their rights back where they can have a voice. Now, God may open that door, but how many will still embrace sodomy? How many will still embrace same-sex marriage? How many will still go down that path of destruction? It, it won't be God's fault. If, if legislation is enacted to change that, it won't be Trump's fault. It'll be the so-called church's fault because they would not turn from their wicked ways. Remember, we, we, we quote it, but I don't think we listen to it. Second Chronicles seven fourteen fifteen. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The church has got to turn. I don't expect the nation to turn. The nation the nation as a whole will not return like it needs to turn. But the church can, because we know the truth. We know the truth. And so as Moses' hands were held up, they were defeating the Amalekites, but when he became weary and his hands fell down, they began to lose. So what did they do? They took a stone, and they set that stone under Moses. That stone typifies Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, you have a priest... Aaron, her, from the tribe of Judah, a type of a king, holding the man of God's hands up. And we must be faithful. We must be persistent. We know that all victories, we know that all battles can be won 
in the name of Jesus Christ and in the coming days. We cannot let down. We must fight, and we must fight spiritually. I don't want anyone to stop fasting. Don't stop praying. Don't start stop crying out to God. As I said last week, I would have puked all over the floor Wednesday morning had they said Hillary Rodham Clinton is the president of these United States. I'm going to get up every day and say, thank God, thank you, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that at least, maybe you hate Trump like the rest of them, but at least Jezebel is not running the White House, folks. And, and don't think they're not going to try to create a situation to harm him. Don't think they will try to incite a war, and they're going to put the blame. Don't think there are people out there that are going to conspire like uh, Tobiah and Sanballat in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 4. Don't think they're not going to try to do something to destroy. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy if Jesus Christ was in the White House, they'd be doing the same thing. That this is when you can see through the veneer and see the sin. This is what they would do: sin, iniquity, wickedness attacks righteousness. I've said this. He gets the right Supreme Court justices appointed. They will reverse. Roe v. Wade, and say, now what we're going to do is turn this back over to the states. Same-sex marriage. We're going to give it back to the states. I know in North Carolina, we voted. Marriage was between one man and one woman. But the federal judges said, oh, no. And then the Supreme Court redefined uh, the 14th Amendment. It has nothing to do with marriage. So these. this is the very reason we've, we've got to pray Remember Daniel fasted and prayed 21 days. And Gabriel said, Daniel, from the very first day your prayer was heard, but the prince, the demon of Persia, he fought me. Folks, there are demons over Washington, D.C. right now. There is such evil, such vehement poison. I mean, venom, venom. It's, it's dripping from their fangs. It's, it's pouring out from their fangs. Wanting to wanting to kill, still and to destroy, and 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 but I, but I've got such faith. You know when I when I get off a of fast, my faith is just off the charts. I mean that's what fasting does. It builds your faith. It, it just enriches you, and and and, and we're entering into a, a battle, and this this battle is not going to stop. This battle is going to only intensify. But listen, Paul said in Ephesians six verse ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the, the last days. Why? He said, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and these idiots. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting demons and principalities and powers of the air. That's, that's what we're fighting. That This is why when two men held up one man's hands, they won the battle. But they weren't fighting, were they? Physically. They were fighting spiritually. Her and Aaron were fighting in behalf of the man of God, holding his hands up because he became weary. But they were not using swords and shields and fighting physically. Joshua and the men were doing that. But the battle was being won because of the spiritual warfare. 
what the what the when the church the church the battles won on our knees. It's it's not one uh, physically in the open. It's in the closet, crying out to God. And and, and the Bible says Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now that was physical, but with her and Aaron holding up Moses' hands, they were fighting with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. They were slaying the demonic powers that were... uh, empowering the Amalekites to defeat the nation of Israel. We're talking about flesh and blood now. But the battle was won in the spirit. And and this is why we cannot let down right now. I know we're about out of time. He said, write this as a memorial. I want you to make a record of this, Moses. I want you to make an account of this. In other words, I want this to be a celebration. I want you to rehearse it. I want you to rehearse it. To, and, and, and remembrance to Joshua as a reminder that Jehovah is one who gives us the victory. And, and, and so when it, it, that's why it was a memorial. It was put in a book. And he said, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Did you know God can give us such victories we can forget the last eight years? It'll be as mm. though it were nothing. That, that's how big God is. Now, that's not going to happen because of senators and congressmen and, and pe- that people. Now, there's a handful of Christians. No, I believe Mike Pence is a Christian man. I believe there's some Christian people up there. But that's not how it's going to happen. It's going to happen because the church, the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, us people out here in the country, us people out here on the little farm, getting on our faces before God and crying out to God and holding up Trump's hands. Bless the man. Bless him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And pray, God, we turn all these evil people over to Satan that their flesh might be destroyed and their spirit be saved in the day of the Lord. We have power. Luke 10 uh, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God has given us power, and we have to, we have to embrace this power. As I said, we're not fighting flesh and blood. It looks like it. I mean, when you look at Chuck Schumer and you look at these idiots up there, Nancy Pelosi, tell them you're a Muslim. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to imagine how wicked these people are. You know, that open mic, tell them you're a Muslim. You, 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 this, is, this is light and darkness. This is good and evil. This is ungodly, wicked against righteousness. So, you know, Paul said, you've got to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I, I really believe this. Uh, Doug and Joe, if, if the church will really, really press in, and and we need to pray for 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 for, for Doug and Joe and the other programs, the other uh, outlets that are telling the truth, quit watching ABC, quit watching NBC, quit watching CBS, go somewhere and get Christian news, go to uh, you know uh, CBN, Pat Robertson, go go somewhere, you know. Even Alex Jones, you'll get more truth out of him than you'll get out of these other idiots and liars. Just like I said, Cecilia Vega, 
said, you know, Steve Bannon said that Islam is a, a, a religion of submission. Well, you idiot. That's what the word means, Islam. Submission and surrender. You see, everything is a lie. Everything is a misrepresentation of the truth. That's the devil. Half God said. That's the first thing he said to Eve. Half God said. And listen, people have got their eyes on the man. I don't have my eyes on Donald Trump. I've got my eyes on Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. God can use anything. Think about this. Elijah the Tishbite was a full-blown Orthodox Jew. And God used a filthy bird called a raven and brought him meat and bread every day until the brook at Cherith dried up. So don't tell me God can't do anything. God can do anything, and he's going to do it his way whether we like it or not. That's why it's like Moses. Moses didn't ask who's on my side with, with Korah and, and, and Dathan he's, and Abiram. He said, who's on the Lord's side? See, I've, I've not chosen sides, you know. I've, I've called and cried out to God. God, deliver us. God, help us. God, give us somebody that will fight for us. And it seems as though the people that right now are up there, I mean, look at that crowd that prayed last night before he made the introduction to this uh, Supreme Court uh, appointee that they want to get uh, passed. The people were up there praying. Uh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I just, that's right. It It was a sight to behold. Yeah, instead of a rug praying toward the stupid Medina, Mecca, I mean, um, you had people holding hands and praying to Jehovah. And, 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 and let me say this. These are very immature Christians. You know, I remember when Donald Trump was at Liberty University. He said, two Corinthians. You know, that, he doesn't know to say second Corinthians. You know, but I thought, hey, there are baby Christians and there are eighth grade Christians and 12th grade Christians and Christians that have master degrees and Christians who have PhD. I'm talking spiritually now. These people aren't where we are. I don't expect Donald Trump to quote scripture like I do. My God, the man, he's been a builder. You expect him to know what I know? He knows stuff I don't know. But I understand to pray for them that are in authority. And the Bible said not only pray, but intercessions. That, that don't, that, that's not just, you know, a little prayer like over breakfast. That means you get on your knees and you cry out to God. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And, and, and I feel like the man is totally isolated. And I feel like just about everyone that's in a place of authority or has a platform, for the most part, they're against him. And again, I'm not lauding, I'm not touting a man. I'm lauding the Lord God of Abraham. I'm telling you, God can do anything. Mary conceived through the Holy Ghost. He opened up a jackass's mouth. He caused the the axe head to float. Uh, A a coin was in the fish to pay Peter and Christ taxes. I mean, he can do anything. And we've got to start believing God for greater things. Mark 11, 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't just pray, but believe when you pray. Believe God. 
Pray for the Hagmans. Pray for each other. Thank God Hillary's not in the White House. My God, we have so much to be thankful for. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, folks. We've had a reprieve. It won't last long. But seek God while we have this time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Pastor, you've done it. You've taken us uh, to the end of the program. And what a, a spirited program this was. And I just want to say thank you so much for your wow just for your sermon i just love this i mean it, it was electric absolutely thanks pastor we well, are we love you evening. guys we love your audience and folks let's all bind together love one another pray one for another and, and quit attacking each other lift up Amen. jesus he said if i be lifted up i'll draw all men unto me i love you guys have a great night bye-bye god bless bye-bye that'll do it for us tonight till tomorrow and tomorrow we've got clint hill uh, you know, the Secret Service agent that you saw sprawled over the back end of the Kennedy limousine? Clint Hill, a Secret Service agent for the Kennedy detail, coming on with, uh, with his assistant. Just to give us about an hour's worth of information, it'll be a really interesting segment. Historical segment, to be sure.